Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? So, 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 so. It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me. My main man. Quick. Before the separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape. Then we're the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and one of our many uh, sub-series episodes, What Happened. Today we're taking a close-up look at the character Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just in time for the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus show around the corner coming out May 27th on Disney Plus. Starting on the Friday with the first two episodes and uh, an additional episode for another, I think it's four weeks following on Wednesday night. That's going to be awesome. So glad you're all tuning in to catch up on the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's going to be major spoilers for some content, comic books, novels, all that stuff going forward into this recording. So just a heads up on that. We got a lot to get through and Blake is joining us in the escape pod right now as we jettison through space in our next discussion. Let's get into it. Another happy landing. All right, welcome back to the show, Blake. Hey, good to be here. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you back. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a it's been a journey, you know, getting to know uh, some of these characters as we as we've done these these what happened episodes for uh, a little while now, you know, occasionally whenever a new piece of Star Wars content comes out, like a new show or a film or something like that, we tend to c- take a, a close in-depth look at some of these characters that are featured in the show for, for all of our listeners and for ourselves to get acquainted, to get ac- acquainted again, sorry, uh, with the life and legend of some of these uh, I- insanely rich stories. So Obi-Wan is, uh, is really... Um, you know, he's one of these characters that shows up in so much stuff. Oh my uh, gosh. It's, it's a little tough to kind of summarize a story like that, you know? Yeah. I know when you said we're going to talk about him, I started thinking about it. And Obi-Wan is, he's one of the original characters. And he's far, he, he was, he's been around for 40 something years, almost 50 years. Yeah. And he, he lives through two or is a prominent character in, in two of the of the three sagas that's mm-hmm. six films and is a main character in one of the animated series yeah yeah and that's not getting to any comics or any books or anything it's that a have huge place in that 45 whatever year range yeah it's a huge undertaking and um for our listeners discretion uh we uh we do we, once again major spoilers for some books, comic book series, animated shows, and of course the films. If you haven't seen all the Star Wars films, we're going to be spoiling content about this character across the saga in chronological order, as we've been doing throughout a lot of the What Happened episodes. Um, I forget what our last one was. Oh, our last one was the Inquisitors. So uh, for those of you who don't know who the Inquisitors are and want to get uh, accustomed to who those guys are, 
the villains that are going to be showing up in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show with the spinny red lightsabers. You listen to that episode first and get acquainted to that and you'll get a, a sense of the style of what or what happened episodes are all about. And uh, yeah, it's a crazy undertaking looking at the highlights of this character. So that's pretty much the key word here is highlights. We're going to be going through the highlighted elements of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, the main kind of stories that he shows up in, these are stories that you can obtain through um, a story in a novel, comic book, animated show, story arc in the Clone Wars, Rebels, whatever it may be. Uh, and we'll try and do our best to kind of make sure that you know where to go to get that story before we start summarizing. Uh, so with that said, let's get into it. Um, let's start off with Master and Apprentice. So this book starts out eight years prior to the events of The Phantom Menace. Uh, Master and Apprentice focuses in on the relationship between Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. The relationship starts out strained as Obi-Wan finds out that Qui-Gon has been offered a seat on the Jedi Council. Qui-Gon hasn't talked to Obi-Wan about it, so Obi-Wan feels like he has failed his master and uh, Qui-Gon is uh, hoping to get rid of him. That's what he feels. So right off the bat, you know, there's a bit of a tense, tense relationship going on there. Yeah, and it's interesting. If you really think about Obi-Wan, he's a very self-conscious character mm -hmm. where he always feels like he's not doing a good enough job. He's very self-critical in that. Right. I know that this, that comes up a lot with his opinion of him himself being a master to Anakin because he, he feels like he is inferior to Qui-Gon. Right, exactly. Um, so... That that that's a key element of the book is is the relationship between Obi Wan and Qui Gon and, and and the relationship between them is very important because that's how we kick things off in the Phantom Menace. But uh, so Obi Wan doesn't understand why Qui Gon goes against the Council's wishes so often as he uh, feels like they should be obeyed, right? Uh, the, you know the the Jedi laws and all that. So this story explores that and gives us an insight into how Obi Wan thinks and acts. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are sent to negotiate. Uh, oh, sorry. This is now getting into the next thing. Um, so this this book kind of resolves all that stuff a little bit. And by the end, it kind of sets them on a better track with each other. And of course, as we know, Qui-Gon ends up not taking the seat on the council. And uh, if he did Surprising it, he was offered it, considering he so often goes against the council. Yeah, yeah. And well, the, one of the interesting things about this is that if Qui-Gon does take the seat on the council, he's not really able to do that and um, lead an apprentice at the same time. So he Obi-Wan would have gotten like pawned off to another Jedi master. And that's right. kind of like part of like, oh, does he want me? And our relationship is strained. Like, do we connect? Do we have this synergy going on like some other master and apprentices do? So this book really is great about exploring that synergy between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, uh, which is the same kind of relationship that we see in uh, in the beginning of The Phantom Menace. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about the Phantom Menace. Or actually, sorry, I'm, I got this out of order. Um, in uh, prior to the Phantom Menace, there is a comic book that takes place, which is from Marvel. It's called Qui Gon Jinn Number One. You can find it in the Age of Republic uh, trade paperback. And Obi Wan joins single issue. Single issue. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Obi Wan joins Qui Gon Jinn on a mission to a planet called Bryn, and Obi Wan helps Qui Gon as a getaway driver. And this story arc is kind of. Um, it's kind of important for Qui-Gon's character as uh, Qui-Gon begins to uh, question the dogmatic view of the Jedi. And uh, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Obi-Wan, but it's worth mentioning because some of Qui-Gon's attributes in this comic can rub, rub off on that character. 
Um, and that kind of kicks us into the Phantom Menace. And the beginning of Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are sent to negotiate with the Trade Federation over Naboo on behalf of the Chancellor. The negotiations don't go as planned, and they end up hiding aboard a droid control ship that lands on Naboo as part of an invasion force. They meet local resident Jar Jar Binks, and he takes them to his Woo! home city. <laughs> the home city where they exiled him from. Oh! <laughs> Uh, they communicate with Boss Nass about the impending invasion, and they get uh, they insist that they work out their difficulties and form an alliance with the Naboo people. A reluctant Boss Nass sends them on their way, and they rescue a captured queen from the droids and her constituents. And they escape off-world. Mid-route to Coruscant, they must make an emergency landing on Tatooine looking for parts. Uh, Obi-Wan stays on the ship as Qui-Gon and the others head into town looking for a way to fix the ship. Obi-Wan later receives a call about a boy that Qui-Gon has found and asks Obi-Wan to run a blood test. And he is surprised to see that the reading of the midichlorian count is off the charts, even that of Beyond of Yoda. And that's like kind of a big moment for Obi-Wan because, I mean, no one's ever seen that before. (laughs) No, this is also moments after, I believe, he mentions, why do I believe we picked up another... Oh, that's that's like, later. That's later at the well, just end. After. Yeah, yeah, that's later. But so um, this is an important thing that's worth bringing up. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so uh, so later, Qui Gon does return to the ship, and Obi Wan has a bad feeling about a new life form that they've uh, just picked go. up. Yeah, <laughs> just before Qui Gon can return with the boy Anakin Skywalker, Qui Gon is attacked by a cloaked figure with a red lightsaber, and they make a close escape. Back on Coruscant, Qui Gon requests to train the boy. Anakin Skywalker, and insists that Obi-Wan is prepared to face the trials. Uh, Qui-Gon has a conversation with Obi-Wan, which is uh, about the fact that he thinks that Obi-Wan is, you know, very, you know, strong and wise. I believe that they have a kind of like a heart-to-heart conversation on Coruscant there. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, it, it was a kind of a nice moment in the movie to kind of get that Master and Apprentice vibe. And, and that that that's something that the book... Uh, Master and Apprentice tries to kind of feed off of a little bit, tries to get the characters to that point, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause there's not a whole lot of interaction directly between the two. We get it right at the beginning of the film and then they're more or less uh, like separate, go different ways, even though they're on the same ship because Qui-Gon goes into town for a large section of the film and Obi-Wan does. Right. So it's good that we get to see some of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Jedi end up returning to Naboo with the Queen to lib- help liberate her people and make an alliance with the Gungans to fight off the Trade Federation. While the Gungans distract the droid army, the Jedi and the Queen infiltrate the royal palace in an attempt to capture Newt Gunray to end the war. But the Jedi are confronted by Darth Maul, and they begin a duel of the fates. Uh, and the beginning of this duel of fates is very important because as we as we've heard from Dave Filoni, who's like you know ex- in, discussed in detail about the duel of the fates, that it's really about the fate of Anakin Skywalker, and if Qui Gon ends up, if the Jedi end up dying, you know, or if Qui Gon dies, it means that something happens to Anakin, right? If Obi Wan dies, it means that something happens to Anakin. If, if, if whoever ends up dying, something changes in the life of Anakin Skywalker, who is this prophesized chosen one. And as over the course of the Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan is very observe, uh, observant of, of Qui-Gon's beliefs on that matter. 
And he knows that Qui-Gon's very much a, a prophesized kind of guy. Like he's, you know, he's the kind of character who really gets into the prophecies. and mm-hmm. Which um, is a very uh, untouched part of, of Jedi lore and history. Yeah. And it's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's even kept uh, limited viewership. Like they don't want people looking into it very much because I right. think Jedi, if they get too into the other prophecies they sometimes get too lost in it yeah exactly yeah and uh so the only reason obi-wan or sorry qui-gon even got into it in the first place is because dooku was looking into it right exactly yeah 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 that's a that's a great thing to point out and anyone who wants a story that's you know kind of in that department uh dooku jedi lost is a great audiobook uh designed as an audiobook to really get into the head of of that character and later i think qui-gon shows up in the story as well and it's it's fantastic um so yeah, it's 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 a very dangerous kind of thing to get into, and uh, or a very cautioned thing, I should say. Uh, the Jedi don't really promote the idea of constantly looking into these prophecies, but Qui Gon is one of those people that just just wholeheartedly believes that Anakin is the chosen one. So um, this fight to the death is really important for the fate of that character, and um, as we know, Obi Wan watches his master get slaughtered in this fight. And it briefly gives into his rage to help cut down Darth Maul in the battle. And uh, Qui-Gon's final wish, wish is that Obi-Wan trains Anakin. And he insists that Anakin is the chosen one, you know, over his last dying breath kind of thing. He he's wholeheartedly takes that to the grave. And, um, you know, over uh, 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 the course of the end of that film... You know, we see Obi-Wan's, uh, you know, he, he, he's lost like a very important character in his, er, you know, person in his life, very influential mm-hmm. guy. Um, and at the very end of the film, he's promoted to Jedi Knight. And that was his trial. And earlier on in the film, you know, Qui-Gon insists that Obi-Wan's ready to face the trials and all that stuff as well. So, yeah. you know, we get the conclusion to that. But um, this is kind of a key moment because he he kind of takes on Anakin as an apprentice because it's his master's dying wish, not because he yeah. wanted to. And immediately after becoming a knight, which is very uncommon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that even comes up later in uh, some other material or Obi-Wan. He is constantly questioning himself because he took on Anakin as an apprentice so young in his own life that he uh, lacks confidence in that he's doing the right thing or not mm-hmm. in the training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, kind of leads us into the Anakin and Obi-Wan comic. Um, I'm going to let you kind of summarize this if you want to kind of, you know, tell our listeners sure. what that's all about. Yeah. So in this comic, uh, Anakin actually feels that he isn't meant to be a Jedi. Um, cause he, he's been doing some self-reflecting and he realizes that, his whole life had been decided by the time he was nine. He, he was forced into a slavery up to the age of nine years old, at which point Qui-Gon saved him from that life, but he immediately joined the Jedi Order. So he feels that he's called to uh, explore the galaxy and see more of life and what's out there. So Obi-Wan is troubled by this, and he, he confides in Yoda and admits that if Anakin le- leaves the Order then he would need to leave the order as well to continue to train Anakin to honor his vow to Qui-Gon. Yeah, that's a really this important is, part of that whole story because it just goes to show like where Obi-Wan's mindset is when it comes to his relationship with Anakin. 
Yeah, the fact that he was actually willing to leave the order to honor his vow to Qui-Gon. Yeah. I think at this point, I believe he as well wholeheartedly believes Anakin is the chosen one. He's shown over and over again his his strength in the Force, mm-hmm. how quickly he learns the Natural Jedi techniques talents. and everything. Yeah. And so in the conversation, he briefly mentions that he is concerned that if Anakin goes untrained, that he could fall to the dark side and what what evils that could bring about. So he knows that he must complete his training under all circumstances. And Yoda, which is something that I hadn't really thought about, the reason why Obi-Wan would have to leave the Order is Yoda says only Jedi are allowed to receive Jedi training. Which, I mean, it makes sense, but it's not something you actually think about. So if someone leaves, you're not allowed to train them. Like, it's it's actually against their code. Right. That's, um, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting that, that that's part of the code, because I guess maybe it's like the Jedi look at their ways as like trade secrets, when in actual fact, it could benefit the Jedi or the galaxy greatly if people understood their right their beliefs you know like yes and no because part of the jedi training is the detachment right so you're not going to be fueled by emotions which then leads to the dark side if you're teaching all these people to use force powers and stuff i think you Mm -hmm. you're giving people power and influence over other people and without the proper training it's it would be very easy to use that for your own selfish gains true true yeah yeah, I guess so. So I believe that's where that the idea of that would come from. So it's a matter of protecting the galaxy then that they that they yeah. don't reveal their their ways, I guess, that much. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So in the story, um, Yoda then uh, assigns them to go on a mission to find the source of a distress beacon that is an ancient language only known to the Jedi, and Anakin is asked to make his decision after the mission. So once on the planet, Cornelian 4, uh, the source of the distress call and Obi-Wan Anakin, sorry, this sentence is a little bit rough. So Obi-Wan Anakin, they, they get to the planet and they immediately crash land because there's so much space debris. And when they, when they land on planet, they realize that the planet has been ravaged by war for so long that the people that live there no longer even know a time before war at all. So their history, in, in a sense, has actually been lost this is actually a Doctor Who episode that's the same as this, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> the, the the artistic style of this of this planet that they land on too is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's post apocalyptic, right? So it, it's almost like modern day infrastructure, like towers and stuff, but everything has been destroyed. So you can almost think it looks a little bit like uh, I am Legend. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's also very blizzardy there, right? Very snowy, very cold. Not on the bottom layer where society used to live, but because their planet was so ravaged by war, the the lowest levels of uh, of the ground are all covered like a poisonous gas. So they're all forced to live in the mountains. Yeah, and I remember, uh, I remember seeing they had the very kind of um, almost like uh, steampunky kind of equipment or gear like vehicles and stuff we're all steam yeah they fly around in blimps and stuff because they've been at war for so long that they've actually lost all of their technology yeah and so they're they actually use projectile weapons they don't have blasters 
So they use guns they, that, that shoot slugs and, and yeah, uh, and yeah, they no, fly no around the airships. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I mean, I like the idea that there's a planet like that in Star Wars. You know, it's pretty cool. Definitely a, a good source of material to have a probably a really fun yeah D and D campaign. On. Yeah, a nice RPG adventure in there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think so too. I wish let Bryce know that one. It's good. It's He's a good planet to have a survival mention on. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so. So after working with both sides of the fight, which are, they're known as the open and the closed, which I think is the cheesiest names. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like they're an electrical circuit. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan goes on, uh, goes on without, hold on, I missed the sentence. Uh, open and closed. Anakin is kidnapped by the open for his mechanic abilities because they want him to repair these battle mechs that are no longer functioning so that they'll have uh, an edge in the war. Uh, and Obi-Wan goes on without him. To find the, the source of this distress call, uh, he finds a scavenger woman who wants to kill all the adults on the planet and start fresh with only the children because he think, she thinks that at this point all the adults are so brainwashed. with mm-hmm. There's nothing that stuck in their roots. is beyond the war. Yeah. So she wants to start fresh with the children. Uh, but both the open and the closed are able to find where the scavenger and Obi-Wan are hiding. But right before a, a giant battle, final battle takes place, the Republic shows up and forces them all to stop. And Anakin, rev- or sorry, Obi-Wan reveals to Anakin that he called the Republic. And originally they, they weren't interested in going to this planet to stop it because it's been going on for decades and decades and decades. But Obi-Wan was able to convince them to intervene because he said there's untapped Tabana gas there. So the Republic showed up within a matter of hours. <laughs> <laughs> so typical, it, hey? Right? And democracy, quote unquote, that's just led by like corporatization and money, right? Yeah. And so Obi-Wan doesn't even know if this is true. He just said that to get them over here. <laughs> that's a great like way to kick off Attack of the Clones, though. I mean, because the Attack of the Clones is really, uh, it gets really political. And yeah. ideally, like this comic is a great bridge between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And it's uh, it's got five issues in it. Uh, it came out in 2016. It's called Obi-Wan and Anakin. And uh, if anyone wants to read this, it's written by Charles Soule, who's a fantastic author. Uh, wrote uh, the Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith series, The Rise of Kylo Ren. Uh, he's done a few others, and uh, including uh, his first novel, which was uh, Light of the Jedi, uh, kicking things off in the High Republic. So uh, really great uh, narrative and, uh, you know, highly recommend this this book. So, so you're just yeah, wrapping things neat. up. Here. I really enjoyed it. And then uh, just to close off the story, uh, after uh, seeing how at the at the end of the events, how Obi-Wan was able to bring the other Jedi in the Republic and everyone to work together to overcome the, the uh, issues of the planet, Anakin decides to, to stay on as a Jedi, yeah. realizing that there's more in being a part of something than going out and doing something by yourself. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's kind of a nice way to, you know, like I've just mentioned, like, and it's a nice segue into Attack of the Clones, because we know that Anakin has his own journey of, uh, with, with Padme when he's off in the fields and on Naboo, he kind of explains to her like that he oh, wishes yeah. there was a different system in place for getting should things be forced done. forced to believe the same yeah, thing. Yeah, he says like, we should, you know, there should be one person who tells everyone what they're going to do and everyone just gets, you know, just says yes, right? Like that's what he thinks. And it's exactly what the Imperial Senate is. Like, because there's an emperor oh, yeah. that just says stuff and the senators are just there to kind of go, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, they're yes men. Yeah. To make it seem like that 
it's not a dictatorship when in reality it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how, how that's, uh, foreshadowed just a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is like a, I mean, the fact that the Republic shows up for the untapped Tabana gas and, and all that, like it, it kind of just goes to show the Republic's all about corruption and wealth at this point. There's nothing really good about it anymore. Yeah. It's all about self-interest and mm-hmm. less about actual like peacekeeping and trying to uh, bring about prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. And, like help the common citizens, the like, common person. So that kicks us off into Attack of the Clones, which is Star Wars Episode 2. And Anakin and Obi-Wan are assigned as protectors to Senator Amidala, as someone has recently tried to assassinate her. A second attempt soon follows, and both Master and Apprentice partake in a chase across the city. As um, they discover that a bounty hunter has been hired to assassinate Padme Amidala, and Obi-Wan is sent to investigate while Anakin acts as her personal security on a secret exit as they hide on Naboo. Obi-Wan confronts Jango Fett on Kamino, which is a system that he finds and discovers after getting tipped off by uh, his friend Dex, and um, discovers the clone army and the secret that was hidden from the Jedi by Master Sifo-Dyas. After uh, another chase leads Obi-Wan to Geonosis, uh, which is where the Clone Wars erupts and begins, and uh, they have a duel with uh, Count Dooku uh, on, on that planet for the first time where Dooku kind of reveals himself as a Sith Lord. Um, sort of, sort of. He, he kind of, he kind of, he doesn't refer to himself as Darth Tyrannus. It's only in the Clone Wars later that we kind of discover, they put the pieces together, but uh, they do know that something's up. He's got a red lightsaber, and I don't know why they didn't clue into it earlier. <laughs> um, Obi-Wan is told on Genosis before the fight, he's told while he's in captivity, that uh, he Dooku tells him everything. He says... He says, the Senate is under the influence of a Sith Lord. He says, what if I told you that the Senate was under the influence of a, of a dark Lord of the Sith? You know, and he kind of like yeah. gives him the truth. And he says, that's destroy the thing, me, right? Obi-Wan, and we will destroy the Sith. <laughs> it's like, it's he, funny. he gives him like, all, all get, the cards. He just lays it down on the table. It's interesting because I think this has happened in real life as well. It was when something just seems so absurd that it's placed right in front of you. You just you can't believe it. You just automatically reject it as a lie. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what he does. That Obi-Wan doesn't he believes this to be a lie. And so he explains this to Windu and, and Yoda. Like, it is an example. So in Rome, one of the emperors was overthrown by a bunch of random barbarians who he hired as mercenaries that turned on him. If you were to say these barbarians are going to dethrone you and you're going to lose your empire, do you think he would believe it? <laughs> he's, a, he's the emperor. No, of course not. Right? It's kind of that. It's, it's something that seems so absurd. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, um, it's an interesting moment of the movie where uh, you really get into the psyche of, of Count Dooku, too, because. Dooku has a relationship indirectly with Obi-Wan because Dooku is Qui-Gon's master or was Qui-Gon's master, right? And so um, there's really a connection between uh, between the two of those characters, right? Uh, so it's interesting to see that scene unfold because uh, there's really quite a lot, uh, you know, in depth going on there. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play that that little sequence, and uh, you know, we can just kind of hear the scene play out.
traitor. Oh no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. I thought you were the leader here, Dooku. This had nothing to do with me, I assure you. I will petition immediately to have you set free. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I've been tracking a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. Do you know him? There are no bounty hunters here that I am aware of. The Geonosians don't trust them. Well, who can blame them? But he is here, I can assure you. It's a great pity that our paths have never crossed before, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon always spoke very highly of you. I wish she were still alive. I could use his help right now. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Don't be so sure, my young Jedi. You forget that he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. He knew all about the corruption in the Senate, but he would never have gone along with it if he had learned the truth as I have. The truth? The truth. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation was once in league with this Darth Sidious. But he was betrayed ten years ago by the Dark Lord. He came to me for help. He told me everything. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. I will never join you, Dooku. It may be difficult to secure your release. Okay, so that's a really interesting clip because, uh, you, you know, Duca really reveals to him the plan and, and Obi-Wan really doesn't believe him, like we were just saying. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's always cool to hear that, hear that section. Man, something crossed my mind while listening to that clip, though. So, what happened was, Duku tried to recruit Obi-Wan to come on as his, I can say, apprentice, but I guess in this case, it'll probably end up being a Sith assassin. And yeah. when Obi-Wan said no... He decided to take on Asajj Ventress instead. So if Obi Wan had agreed, he would have been in the place of Asajj Ventress. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Because I mean, it's slightly unclear. I know in the next thing that I'm going to bring up, um, that story actually introduces Ventress to the story, but um, it's unclear as to um, as of the details that I have right now as to when Dooku and Ventress meet. Um, as far as the story goes. In the expanded universe, uh, Dooku did have an assassin pre-Ventress, and her name was Kameri Vosa. And uh, she... Oh, that's right, because he gives her... Yeah, Kameri Vosa's lightsaber... Yeah, Kameri Vosa's lightsabers end up going to Ventress when when she decides to be his assassin. But uh, we know from the Clone Wars TV show that Dooku at some point recruits Ventress uh, when she's still 
she's kind of like an ex Jedi because she's been stranded on uh, a planet and her master is killed. And, uh, and yeah, and that's when he kind of is very vague as to when these events occurred. But, um, but yeah, you're right though, in the sense that if Obi-Wan did decide to help Dooku, the relationship between Ventress, if she was around or otherwise could have been very, very different. So let me ask you this. Do you think Dooku was telling the truth or had he already been corrupted too much? I think, uh, I think like he's definitely lying about something in this conversation when he says that he's not in charge. He's obviously the guy in charge, um, but the truth about the Senate is really the. Uh, it's almost like the whole two truths and a lie kind of kind of thing, right. you know? Like like he's yeah, giving yeah. interweave it. Yeah, he's interweaving it all together to make it all sound all you know all. He's giving Obi Wan what he wants him to know, but he's also hiding the things that that he thinks that um he doesn't he shouldn't reveal to so him then, at the time no if obi-wan had agreed they he dooku wouldn't have used him to turn on palpatine no i don't think so i think i think he would have waited a little while and gotten his use out of obi-wan and maybe kind of strengthened that relationship before they took on palpatine uh from the get-go but then because, dooku would have taken the role of palpatine yes yeah as opposed to him actually the two of them overthrowing right the sith and the jedi you know exactly because we know that we know that palpatine knows of ventress right like that's never really kept secret oh, yeah. um we know that from the get-go of the clone wars tv show we know that sidious knows about ventress as an assassin but that's all that and he's okay with that right but that's all that um dooku wants him to know and mm. he, i think palpatine knows dooku's game and that's why at some point in the Clone Wars, he does tell Dooku, you have to kill her now. She's getting too powerful. Yeah. I think part of that is by Dooku having an apprentice, it actually hides Sidious better because always two there are. So that's if right. there's yeah. Ventress and Dooku, the Jedi will assume that Dooku is the Sith Lord. That's right. because Palpatine. That's right. And and for a while, it, it's weird because for a while, it does take the Jedi to figure a while to figure out that city that that there is a Dark Lord called Sidious and that Dooku is a Sith. Right. Like they they don't know uh, a whole lot as far as um, because because Django tells Obi-Wan the truth as well. Django also is part of the the story that Obi-Wan discovers in, in Attack of the Clones. And when he says that I was recruited by a man named Tyrannus on one of the moons of Bogdan. You know? Right, and he's he's telling them the truth. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, there, there was a guy named Tyrannus. He recruited me to be the template clone, mm -hmm. and Obi Wan is trying to figure all this out. He's like, well, hold on a second. You know, a guy named Tyrannus approached Django as the template clone, but it, in actual fact, it was Master Sifo Dyas who ordered the clone army. So what the heck's going on here? And yeah, you're right. It's very convoluted. It's very convoluted. And and they don't resolve this in the film. And that, that leads us to the Clone Wars once again, which we're, we're going to talk about in a second. But uh, keep that in mind as we move forward. Um, okay, so the next thing is a book that literally just came out five days ago as of this recording. It's called Brotherhood. And it's written That's by... That's why I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> yes, and it's written by Mike Shen, um, who's new to the, the Star Wars label. And um, here is the publisher summary. We have not read this book uh, it's out there right now. It's booming. It's doing well. Uh, so let's read the published summary here. The Clone Wars have erupted. Caught off guard by the quickly expanding conflict, the overwhelmed Jedi Order has rushed the advancement of Padawans to better integrate into the Grand Army of the Republic and assist the war effort. 
newly promoted Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker is increasingly torn between his growing duties to the Republic and his secret marriage to Senator Padme Amidala of Naboo. With his knighting, his mentor Obi-Wan Kenobi has been elevated to the Jedi Council under the rank of Jedi Master. As dark forces push the Jedi further toward their transformation from guardians guardians to soldiers, Anakin and Obi-Wan find themselves on equal footing, yet opposing paths, each pondering the meaning of peace and justice during a time of war. Uh, What what do we know from this book? We know that um, we do know that Ventress is introduced to the story. Uh, We know that this precedes the beginning of the Clone Wars animated series as far as chronological events goes. And uh, we also know that I think, I believe there's some sort of acknowledgement to uh, the kind of beginnings of General Grievous as well. So this is really chronologically kind of a Clone Wars novel, but between that gap between Attack of the Clones and the animated show, because if you kick things off with the animated series, um, Anakin already, he, he got, he's got a different costume. His hair is a bit longer. You know, it's clear that it takes place a couple of months. closer to Revenge of the Sith is what it looks like. Yeah. It's, it almost looks that way. Yeah. And, and it's, um, it's a bit tough. He's knighted. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, already knighted. He lost his brain. Right. Exactly. There's a bit of time between Attack of the Clones and the beginning of the Clone Wars series. So it's kind of cool that we finally have a novel that acknowledges those events that take place in between. Um, as well as the very mysterious event that's referenced in Revenge of the Sith about Anakin and Obi-Wan's event on Kato and Moidia. So this right. this book also uh, gets into that event as well. Yeah, so, but the thing is, it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> so does it really matter? That business on Kato and Moidia doesn't, doesn't count. Exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's the line. That's the throwaway line that, uh, you know, if anyone remembers that, you know, kudos. Um, so that's Brotherhood, everybody. That's Brotherhood that just came out. You can look for it in uh, on Audible.com. Uh, I'm or, sure at uh, some point we'll put out some sort of review. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I want to read so this stay one. Stay tuned. Definitely want to read this one. Uh, okay, and that, that, that sends us right into the Clone Wars. Now, the Clone Wars is gigantic. As we know, it's seven seasons long, could have been eight. And, um, you know, it, 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 Obi-Wan is just one of those characters. He's just a main character. Like, they, there's yeah. literally no way to compress as much information as there is in that show into a, a small summary. So what I'm going to do here is I've, I've not, uh, I've got like a, maybe I've jotted down about 10 story arcs, which going to jog our memories about. And um, if there's any details, which is to be talked about uh, in regards to that particular story arc, uh, just pipe up and uh, we'll kind of get into the details. Uh, you and I, for those listeners at yeah. home who haven't seen the clone wars, I always recommend it. And, um, you know, this, again, this would be in, uh, in chronological order. So, uh, major spoilers for, uh, you know, the, uh, arcs that you may have not seen if you have not finished the Clone Wars. And if we miss anything that you think is important, feel free to either email in or a tweet at Star Wars Escape Pod podcast. Very good. That's right. So let's kick things off with the first story arc, which is, it's not that important, but it's worth mentioning. Um, Obi-Wan sends Anakin as a relief effort. He's kind of like a mailboy or <laughs> whatever in a delivery boy. Yeah. Delivery boy uh, in a, cl- in a cloaked ship, which is the first of its kind um, built by the Republic to aid Bail Organa. Right. In, and we uh, never see it again. That's right. We never see it again. Uh, <laughs> he, he sends Anakin as a relief effort to aid Bail Organa, who is currently on the surface of Christophysis. 
Um, and uh, Bail Organa in that story arc actually sends Obi-Wan a message on a hologram saying, uh, General Kenobi, um, uh, or oh, oh, what is it again? Uh, please, General Kenobi, we need your help or something like that. It's the same yeah. line uh, that Leia has for Obi-Wan later. Help ben me, Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, thank you. Help me, Our Obi-Wan. Let's help us. Come on, Josh. Help out. Oh, my Star Wars fan. What is this? I'm losing it. Um, is you can't it run help? an escape pod and not know, <laughs> not know that line. This is a podcast, man. Come on. Know your stuff. Help me, General Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, you are our only hope. That is, that's the line that he has. And it's uh, it's worth mentioning this arc because of that. And uh, it, it really kind of pays tribute to the uh, the very iconic line that I, apparently I forget uh, <laughs> later on. <laughs> uh, okay, so next story arc happens and Obi-Wan... And mind you, this again, I'm skipping some minor story arcs in which Obi-Wan doesn't have the biggest role in. We're not hitting everything here. We're just hitting the big highlights. Um, so there's a, a story arc that happens on Mandalore and it's referenced that Obi-Wan had a relationship with, um, a character by the name of Duchess Satine, which is the ruler of Mandalore. And, uh, is her name Duchess? Or is that just her title? Her, uh, Satine cries. That's her, that's her name. There's her full name, but it's Duchess. Yeah. She goes by Duchess Satine and she's the ruler of Mandalore at the time. And, uh, in the story arc, Obi-Wan does reveal to the Duchess that he would have left the order um, if she had wished it. And this is referencing a, 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 an, an event that we don't know any details about other than that, which happens prior to The Phantom Menace sometime while he's in the apprenticeship of Qui-Gon Jinn. So that's what we know. And uh, we know that that Satine and Obi-Wan kind of have a opposite reflection of a relationship to Padme and Anakin who give in to their passion for each other and their love for each other. Right. Because Obi-Wan almost leaves the order for her. Yeah, that's right. So instead of doing that, instead of going, going that route, they end up uh, focusing in on their vows and their uh, careers uh, instead uh, for the good of the galaxy, if you will. Yeah. Uh, whereas Anakin and Padme have quite an opposite way of going about their relationship. They actually do give into it and keep it a secret and simultaneously do what they have to do to maintain what they've set out to, to achieve, but they try they to still, do both. Yeah. Yeah. Have they try to do it too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, and it, it ends up becoming exactly what Padme foreshadows it to be in, ta- in attack of the clones. So very important arc, you know, big reveal for Obi-Wan's character and Anakin finds out about this and Obi-Wan reveals to Anakin um, his choice and kind of how he made it and, um, uh, <laughs> and not knowing about Padme, which is even more interesting. It, it, exactly. Exactly. Not knowing that Anakin's married and, uh, later Anakin cracks some jokes to Obi-Wan about, uh, Satine being his girlfriend <laughs> and right. it was, it was kind of funny. So, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a really good story arc. Um, and it was a spark for the rest of, uh, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a spark for later on, um, uh, that we'll, we'll we'll bring up here. So uh, at some point in season three of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, there is an arc which is one of my favorites of all time. It's called the Mortis arc. Um, there's uh, three episodes in the story arc, and Obi Wan, Ahsoka, and Anakin end up uh, being sucked into this mystery planet, which exists kind of outside of space and time, and uh, it's referred to as Mortis. And um, on Mortis, uh, it's a and the, it's it's a manufactured i don't know if you really call it a planet because it's not planet shaped when you get onto it it seems planet like and it is a manufactured superconductor of the force 
Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe the visual look of this thing? Uh, if I remember, isn't it somewhat pyramidal? It's a, it's like a diamond shape, I, I believe. Yeah. Right. Something, something like that. I think, um, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool story arc. There's, there's a very, um, symbolic kind of physical relationship between, uh, between the son, the daughter and the father, which are physical representations of the light side, the, uh, dark side and kind of the, the middle ground, if you will, mm-hmm. being the father who has to control his, his son and daughter in the, in the force. And, Balance. Yeah. And Mortis is kind of like the, uh, their, their prison or their sanctuary is what the father refers to it as where he's able to do that in an isolated environment, almost like the mirror dimension in, in Dr. Strange or the Marvel universe. Right. Um, so let's just take a quick listen to uh, a moment that Obi-Wan has as he sits in a cave, um, as they camp out for the night, um, because they're kind of stranded until they can leave this place. And, uh, each of them suffers a vision uh, in the force, whether it be a force ghost or um, something. Uh, they they all kind of have this um, this trigger moment, which foreshadows something for later or whatever else. So there's a very interesting one in which we see for the very first time Qui Gon is able to manifest himself, and we're going to talk about this in detail after. But let's just take a listen first as to see what he has to say. Obi-Wan, have you done as I asked? Have you drained the boy? Master Qui-Gon, how are you here? I am here because you are here. I I don't understand. What is this place? Unlike any other, a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. Are we in danger? This planet is both an amplifier and a magnet. Three are here who seek Skywalker. They, like me, believe him to be the Chosen One. You were right. The Force within him is stronger than any known Jedi. I've trained him as well as I could, but he's still willful and balance eludes him. If he is the Chosen One, he will discover it here. And if not? Then you must realize with his power, this is a very dangerous place for him to be. All right, and with that, Qui-Gon disappears again, and he doesn't show up until later, and he actually does end up having uh, a word with Anakin uh, as Anakin self-questions whether he's the chosen one. But that's, you know, that's a story for, for another time, because that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Obi-Wan. But it's interesting that that, that happens, you know, and, and uh, by the end of the story arc, the characters begin to, they wake up as if they just kind of fell asleep for a couple minutes because no time has gone by by the third episode of the yeah. story arc. And they start we're left wondering if it was a dream or not. Yeah. They start to wonder like, what, what was that exactly? And later in the clone wars, there's a moment where Obi-Wan shares with Yoda uh, about this and um, questions whether or not it was in fact real. And um, it was, um, it was a very powerful story because Obi-Wan witnesses the downfall of Anakin Skywalker. And yeah, he actually sees what's going to happen before it takes place. Yeah, yeah. Because the events of what happened throughout the arc on Mortis are actually mirrored in 
uh, the Sith taking over the galaxy. That's right. Yeah, it mirrors the Skywalker saga sort of thing. Uh, you know, excluding the sequels, it mirrors that that Anakin Skywalker downfall, resurrection or uh, redemption. Sorry, uh, mm-hmm. story arc. And and so yeah, they they witness quite a lot there, which you know really shocks them. And Ahsoka also has a moment where she actually ends up dying um, at the hands of the sun, which is representative of the dark side of the force. And now, Anakin it, is actually shown what becomes of him. That's how he becomes yeah. the dark side, on Mortis. But then later has his memory wiped so that right. uh, history can uh, continue on as it was supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's it's so interesting. And um, I put down here in my notes that... that um, Obi-Wan faces uh, a dark Anakin Skywalker who's agreed to ally himself with the sun or the dark side. And they have a brief kind of confrontation, not, not lightsaber duel necessarily, but um, just verbal confrontation in a, what's referred to on Mortis as a dark well of some kind, the well of the dark side. And it's basically just a pit with lava at the bottom. And it's supposed to mirror that, that Mustafar duel that later occurs mm, right. uh, in Revenge of the Sith. And um, yeah, and then later in that episode, he, the daughter, the light side of the forest, takes him to a, a, a cave in which he finds um, some sort of dagger. It's, a, it's, like, a da- it's like a mystical force um, generated dagger, which is kind of the key to killing the, the son or the daughter or the father. These figures that exist, that's kind of their weak spot, which is this dagger. And it almost, to me, it's always represented... Um, Luke Skywalker in a way it's almost like that that soft spot that later kind of has a key moment it's like a weapon against the Sith right mm-hmm. and um the dagger is actually used to kill the um uh well the the dagger is about to be used by uh the son to kill the father and I, the daughter throws her herself in between the two and sacrifices herself um to save the father but the father ends up killing um, her himself. I think, I think that's how it went, but the father ends up killing, yeah. killing himself. Yeah. The only one who survives is the son mm-hmm. who is of the dark side, which also mirrors what happens outside of Mortis, where through attempting to uproot and destroy the dark side being Palpatine and, and, um, Tyrannus or Count Dooku in this circumstance, they actually kill themselves and then the dark side survives. Yeah. Yeah, so it, um, so because the father sacrifices himself to uh, drain the son of his power, um, Anakin is able to come up behind him and stab him through the through the back, um, and and with that, you know, all three of them end up dying, and and then they wake up from this vivid dream. But it's almost it's almost too real to be a dream. The way that they almost portray it later, and the the subtle hints that Ahsoka later when she has this canary bird thing follow her around all over the place, uh, which is representative of the daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And the daughter's last breath is is kind of given to resurrecting Ahsoka Tano, who ends up dying on, on Mortis as well. There's a lot going on in the story arc, and it's hard to summarize. But um, the most important thing here is Obi-Wan later questions whether or not it happened. And uh, when Dave Filoni was asked about whether or not it actually happened, he kind of left it up to the viewer's discretion as to, like, how do you perceive you know, if right. it happened or not. And I personally like to believe that it does happen. Um, I think so too. Um, it was smart on Filoni's part for doing that though, because I think there's people, Star Wars fans 
who like the mystical side, and then there's those who like the more grounded, dare I say, medical-orient side of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, there, there's the fans that like the reasoning behind stuff, and then there's the fans that don't, and they like to leave it a mystery. So uh, this story arc is really kind of um, suitable for, for all those audiences. Um, mm-hmm. Great story arc, though. It has a lot to do with Obi-Wan. Uh, okay, so sometimes late, sometime later in the Clone Wars, um, there's a story arc where Obi-Wan and Quinlan Voss connect over um, hunting down Zero the Hutt, who has escaped from a Republic prison. Uh, and um, he has been brought before the Hutt Council and this and that. And uh, Cad Bane has actually been sent off to claim a piece of information for um or cad bane is has been sent off to to kill zero or something like that and anyway there's a whole side plot in which he ends up not killing zero somebody else does but uh there's a bit of a conflict between cad bane quinlan voss and obi-wan it's a really cool episode and uh what's important about that is that is that obi-wan and quinlan kind of develop this further friendship and they knew each other since padawan age but uh they have this reconnection moment between in in that story arc and and uh, uh, Obi Wan throws a joke while they're both hanging off a cliff as Cad Bane gets away and he says I always did like hang or I never liked hanging out with you or something oh. like he said. yeah just so cringy <laughs> yeah yeah um, and then we hit another story arc which is one of the best story arcs of the whole show it's in season four and um, most people like to refer to this arc as the box um, or the uh, the chancellor's kidnapping or the first attempt that is where Cad, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, takes on the face of a, uh, of a, another man, uh, by the name of Racco Hardeen. And he goes undercover into, into, um, prison, uh, for his, uh, assassination of himself. So he, he hires the Jedi very secretly hire Racco Hardeen to take a shot at Obi-Wan, which doesn't kill him, but he fakes his death. Then they later kind of quietly hide him away while he takes the same face of his killer and goes into Republic prison to develop a relationship with the uh, so estimated person, which is supposed to be coming up with a plan to kidnap or kill the Chancellor. So Obi-Wan and the Jedi find a way to kind of infiltrate that group. And Cad Bane is one of those people in that group. And uh, there's a bit of a rivalry between him and Cad Bane, and there's a really cool plan which Obi-Wan helps thwart that first attempt at kidnapping the Chancellor. And I remember when this um, story arc came out, I was very uh, hopeful that it was almost like that last story arc before the end of the, 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 you know, I thought that the whole thing would actually not work out and the Chancellor ends up does getting kidnapped. And then oh, that go directly the into Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, because I didn't know that there was going to be a season five nor uh, a plan to do eight seasons, but... Um, right. but I, it was kind of getting to that. Yeah. I, but it was kind of getting to that point where I was like, Oh, they could end the show here and it would make sense. Right. Like the chancellor's mm-hmm. about to get kidnapped and, um, you know, it, it involves Obi-Wan. It would make perfect sense, but that ended up not being a thing. Uh, what's really important about this story is that they actually leave Anakin out of the loop when it comes to faking Obi-Wan's death. And Anakin is distraught over the death of Obi-Wan Kenobi and kind of vows to kill his killer. Yeah, he goes on, he vows himself to revenge. Yeah. To avenge uh, Obi-Wan's death. Yeah, we see a really drastic change in character for, with Anakin. He goes kind of really dark on everyone and, you know, uh, starts getting more Vader-like uh, when he starts confronting people and his patience has dwindled to like nothing. And Ahsoka starts to witness all of this stuff. 
And yeah, um, yeah and, and he, he even has a confrontation with Racco Hardeen where, you know, AKA Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he reveals to him subtly after he, after he disarms Anakin, he's like, Anakin, don't follow me. And, you know, and yeah. he kind of gets away because he's still yeah, trying you know to know my name. Yeah. He's still trying to hide the, the fact that he is Racco Hardeen. and he's, you know, that Obi-Wan actually yeah. isn't dead, but Anakin has this feeling that he's not dead. Right. And then he's let down the loop, but that whole thing kind of dents Anakin's trust in, in the Jedi council, which is That's largely, right. largely Windu Yoda and, you know, Obi-Wan. Um, and it, it really, hey, hey, hey. yeah, the moon knee. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the big three kind of thing, but the big two, <laughs> mo- mostly Yoda and window are the kind of the head two honchos. Um, and, and Anakin's trust is really dented in that. And his relationship with the council is, um, a little fractured, I guess in, in that that's the, like a big fracture moment for him. And yeah. Well, he realized he can't just trust everything they say because exactly. Yeah. They're willing to lie for a, a greater end. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it was Obi he Obi-Wan later reveals to Anakin that it was his uh decision that that uh to keep Anakin out of the loop to help sell the idea that he was in fact dead because yeah. he he knew that people would be watching. So so that was part of the plot. Um then the next story arc comes I believe this maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm getting mm-hmm. it mixed up. But I think this arc doesn't Obi-Wan used the codename Ben when we're talking to the council. Sorry, I totally left that out. Yeah. Um, so this is the story arc where he comes up with his nickname, Ben. And um, he does that while he's in the Republic prison uh, undercover using the face of Racco Hardeen. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, Sorry, I totally forgot to bring that's that up. A, that's our a, a first circumstance of Obi-Wan Kenobi changing his name to Ben. Which yeah. The first, fills in why he did that when he was on Tatooine later. Yeah. Yeah. His, his self-given codename, if you will. Um, so, uh, later, uh, Maul is resurrected and, uh, well, he's brought back. He was always alive apparently, but living on the edge kind of thing. And he's, he's kind of put back to his former glory by the witches of Dathomir. He was given a second half. Yeah. He's also given a second half in the form of his brother as well, who uh, he takes on as his own apprentice. Oh yeah, that's true. And Obi-Wan goes to face him after Maul and Savage Opress gain a lot of attention, killing and slaughtering innocent people across the galaxy. Um, And he ends up drastically losing that fight because uh, even though he has confronted uh, Savage Opress before, I don't think he realized that the two were brothers. And now that Savage Opress has found his long lost brother, um, they end up ambushing Obi-Wan after luring him to a, a, a certain planet and uh, they're kind of torturing him before killing him sort of thing. Like Maul is really savoring the idea that he's got Obi-Wan in his grasp. Um, Ventress pops in there. She happens to be hunting one of them, I think. I think she's hunting Savage Press or something like that. So she ends up saving Obi-Wan and uh, and the two of them kind of get get out there in a, in a nick. Um I think at this point in time, Savage Opress has replaced, sorry, Savage has replaced Asajj Ventress. Yeah, and, and also and disregarded. And so in Asajj's attempt to assassinate Dooku with the Night Sisters, that's how she gets into combat with the uh, Savage. Yeah, so that, that happens just prior. Uh, so at this point, Ventress is, is a bounty hunter and Savage has also been disregarded by Dooku. And, and that's what brings him to Dathomir, which is what sends him on the path to find Maul. Because uh, the knight's mother, Talzin, the knight's sister, Mother Talzin, kind of gives him that magic compass 
tells him to go on his way to find yeah, yeah. his brother Maul. Yeah. So yeah, Pirates it's Caribbean compass. It's crazy. How all these stories are inter interweaved, isn't it? Um, but mm. uh, yeah. And how Obi-Wan is kind of sucked into the whole thing, but um, there's a really interesting relationship between him and Maul because Maul killed his master and now he's out to set, you know, he's out for revenge on Kenobi and he's always out for revenge on Kenobi. And Obi-Wan's uh, almost gained pity for, for Maul. Yeah. He, he kind of slowly starts to get there for sure. And, and there's, a, there's an interesting um, bit of dialect in, uh, in, in the scenes in which Obi-Wan comes face to face with, with Maul. And um, Obi-Wan doesn't at first recall um, he doesn't at quite at first recall like who he is because because he he remembers Maul but he doesn't remember him necessarily by name and and so the the piece of um, the piece of dialogue that that follows is is really quite interesting I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and find it here um, yeah you know what I think this is it here so it's uh, season five episode. One, I believe, I think it's called, it's called Revival, I believe. Oh, you know what? No, I'm wrong. It's actually in season four. You know what? Forget it. Let's, uh, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to be browsing around for this forever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very interesting piece of dialogue that, that uh, Obi-Wan's just like, you. And then Maul's like, uh, you may not remember me. But I remember you, <laughs> right? You know, and all this is like Obi Wan would forget the guy that killed his master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he says something like, "You may have forgotten me, but I will never forget you." And then he goes on to kind of taunt him with the fact that he slaughtered his master on Naboo and this and that. And then Obi Wan's like, "It is you." And then that kind of leads them into the fight. So, uh, oh, here it is. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I think I found it. I think I found it. Uh, here we go. Remember some. So uh, we get the whole piece where Maul's resurrected and all that stuff. And then Obi-Wan kind of goes down to locate uh, Savage Press and Maul. And he, uh, he comes face to face in an abandoned village that they've just destroyed and killed like all these farmers and stuff like that. Jedi, I have been waiting for you. I'm not sure I've made your acquaintance. I am surprised you could have forgotten me so easily after I killed your master and you left me for dead on Naboo. It is you. You may have forgotten me, but I will never forget you. You cannot imagine the depths I would go to to stay alive, fueled by my singular hatred. For you. That may be so, but I defeated you before and I can defeat you again. <laughs> Don't be so certain. Alright, so he ends up losing that fight, and like I mentioned, Ventress ends, ends up coming to his rescue. So that was a really cool story arc. Is it oh sorry, Obi-Wan or Yeah, Obi-Wan Obi-Wan loses the fight and they, they end up oh, wow. kind of they, they kind of torture him a little bit before killing him, but uh, they end up not being able to kill him because Ventress kind of, you know, yeah. gets to him and, and rescues him and they, they fight their way out of there. But uh, yeah. And they, it also, 
I thought I found it funny that that one conversation, Maul had more dialogue than all of the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so later, let's uh, go to an arc in which um, Obi Wan helps uh, a group of rebels on Onderon. Uh, uh, train he trains he helps train them with uh, Rex Anakin and Ahsoka and this is kind of important because this is one of the initial re- rebel cells that that plants the seed of the rebellion for later uh, one of these characters happens to be Saw Gerrera which uh, as we know from Rogue One um, becomes a bit of an extremist and we see that evolution of that character over the course of Star Wars Rebels as well and it all begins in this story arc here in uh, in the Clone Wars and Obi-Wan is one of those key people from the Republic that are sent to um, help those uh, rogues retake their planet because the Republic has been told not to interfere, essentially. And um, the leader of Onderon has been, um, or the king of Onderon has been unofficially replaced with someone who made a, a deal with the Separatist Alliance. So um, the, the the planet's in a bit of a tough spot. And uh and so the Republic kind of says subtly, well, let's just send some people to help aid in the uh, the rebellion effort there. And hopefully the people can retake their own planet back, right? Because the Republic also doesn't have every resource in the world to retake every single planet out there, right? Um, and, and it's great to, to see that Obi-Wan is one of those people, along with Anakin, ironically enough, who you know, ends up being who he is later, um, plants the seeds of the rebellion. So let's uh, go to the next story arc here, which is um, nearing the end of the war, Satine is killed by Maul in uh, the power struggle to take over Mandalore. Obi-Wan is sent uh, to Mandalore, or he, he kind of goes to Mandalore to, I guess, help with the effort, but you know she's killed in the process. Maul does that knowing that there's some kind of relationship between the two of them and uh, wants Obi-Wan to kind of sit and wally, uh, wallow in pain and suffering and you know sends him to prison. But suffer as he had suffered. I think yeah, suffer as he has suffered, exactly. Um, and uh, Bo-Katan, which is Satine's sister, ends up liberating him from his cell. Who at this time is a member of the uh, Death Watch before yeah. they was splintered by Maul. Exactly. Um, she tells Obi-Wan to go back to the Republic and bring aid um, to take down the leadership in Mandalore, which at the at the time now is is uh, ends up being Darth Maul. Um so the next story arc, the big one, is um, the temple bombing. And Ahsoka is accused of bombing the Jedi Temple. Obi-Wan, who is a member of the Council, is a, a part of the decision or the vote uh, to prosecute her. And we don't really know what his vote is. We assume that he votes against punishing Ahsoka, one of the few that probably vote against it, whereas the other Jedi Council members are kind of unsure and they end up sending her to uh, a cell. And... Um, this this dents Anakin's trust even further with the Jedi Order and, by extension, Obi-Wan as a member of that council and um, a follower of the rules and the, you know, the dogmatic view and all this and that and the procedures mm-hmm. that they should do. And it really kind of impacts that relationship a lot. And even though Obi-Wan is there to comfort Anakin, um, it really, I don't think, you know, it really changes things a little bit. And, and it also um, pushes Ahsoka into the decision to leave the Jedi uh, order. And yeah, because she can no longer trust them either. Exactly, yeah. And, and that in itself, I think that that affects Obi-Wan's um, 
that effect that that affects obi-wan as well you know it doesn't just affect anakin it, it affects them both in a in a small way because um because later i'm gonna bring this up later in a in another story arc um and it's a very interesting little piece of dialogue but to know that ahsoka leaves the order because of this event um it does later have something to do with with obi-wan um in the follow-up arc uh obi-wan and anakin uncover the secrets of the sith and discover the mystery behind sifo there's an entire story arc in which that takes place they discover about sifo um involvement with the creation of the clone army they they finally discover that count dooku is darth tyrannus and um they realize well we have a darth tyrannus we have a darth sidious um someone's got to be the master and it might, in fact, be this Darth Sidious, right? Um, so they, they start to kind of put the pieces together. And this is getting really late in the Clone Wars. And uh, it's a bit of a concerning time uh, to be a, be a Jedi, only figuring this out just this late in the game. So that, that was also a really cool story arc. Um, Obi-Wan experiences Yoda's midlife crisis. This is, a, this is towards the end of Season 6, where Yoda experiences uh, whispers of... Uh, in the force from from Qui-Gon Jinn uh, he, he's, he's being spoken to by Qui-Gon Jinn and, and Yoda kind of um, gives into this uh, and goes on a journey and he ends up going to a variety of places including Dagobah and it ends up being a, there's a series of characters that shows up to him and they're known as the priestesses of the force so they're right, not they're not really the wills yeah they're they're like these these masked uh people who guide him along the path to um to help train him uh to be more than what he is and he, he Yoda thinks that he's kind of like mastered everything right but he really hasn't well, he's mastered. been around for 900 years yeah yeah and and he really hasn't mastered his fear in the way that he expected he he um um he he almost has to acknowledge the fact that that fear is there and yeah, he's just was, repressed it. Yeah, exactly. And that was like kind of the whole point of his journey. But um, what's important about that is um, that when do, uh, that Obi-Wan kind of witnesses this kind of crisis that he goes through. And uh, when Yoda returns to Coruscant, Kenobi and uh, Windu greet him. And uh, Windu asks him if he gained any insight on how to win the war uh, throughout this whole process. Um, and... Uh, Yoda tells him that he no longer believes that the Jedi can win the Clone Wars, but that through hope and perseverance, the Jedi would ultimately triumph over the Sith and that they would find another way. And, and, and by that, do you think he means he thinks they're going to lose? I think, like, I like think what happens? Yeah. Or do you think it's more the damage that they've done through the war? He already considers it loss. So I think, I think if I, so my personal opinion is there's that very last scene where, where, he has to Yoda can either let go of of Anakin and um there was like a weird moment where he's kind of on this bridge and it's like a whole dream sequence and um he's fighting Sidious but uh there's also like Anakin who's struggling as well and there's a moment where he has to make a very important decision and uh that kind of unlocks something in him and uh, the very last words that he kind of hears, I think it's in either that sequence or on, um, or on uh, Korriban or Moriband, I guess we should call it, uh, where he—that's uh, the Sith homeworld—and and and he hears the words uh, from somebody, 
whispering to him in the forest that there uh, there is another Skywalker. And Yoda remembers that for later when when he dies in, in Luke's arms, he, he tells him this secret that the Force whispered to him all those years ago. Um, but the important thing to take away from this is that Obi-Wan hears Yoda's uh, unsure statements about how he believes that the, 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 the Jedi might not win or the Republic might not win the Clone Wars. Like he's, he's a bit more unsure that they're going to come to a very obvious conclusion. And um, it, uh, the most important thing that, that Yoda believes in, which later is what Obi-Wan is led to believe, that there is a way to win over the Sith. And uh, I think to Obi-Wan, he later believes that that might be Luke Skywalker. And that's the most important thing to remember because in Star Wars Rebels, he's got a very important moment where he uh, wholeheartedly kind of embraces that as information and that he discloses to uh, another character. Um, Anakin and Obi-Wan discover um, a plot to uh, set out by the Sith to obtain massive kyber crystals, um, which uh, this whole story arc takes place on Utapau. And this is actually an unproduced Clone Wars arc, which uh, um, was, you can find it in the bonus features of season six of the Clone Wars, but they never finished uh, making this story arc because Clone Wars was canceled for a period of time. And uh, they they end up finding out that, that the Separatists or the Sith, I guess, are trying to obtain a, a giant Kyber crystal, one of very few in the galaxy. Uh, and it's found on Utapau and, and they end up thwarting that whole plan. Um, but uh, there's a there's a very cool little line that um, that Obi Wan and Anakin kind of like disclose to each other um, when Anakin says something about Ahsoka and his uh, his uh, uh, his her disappearance and her her choice to leave the order and I'm gonna play it here and we can all kind of like we can uh, we can converse about this in just a sec. Nothing, I suppose. It's... Perhaps we should set up camp. Sound like a plan? Whatever you say, Master. Anakin, dwelling on Ahsoka's decision won't bring her back. I miss her, okay? Is that what you wanted me to say? I still can't understand how she could have left the Order. It was a surprise decision to all of us. It was wrong. She's a Jedi. She belongs with us. She's one of us. She made the decision, Anakin. Well, what choice did we give her? The moment there were any suspicions about her loyalty, the Council turned their back on her. I will grant you mistakes were made, but she chose to leave. Part of the Jedi way is not letting emotion cloud your better judgment. And that's precisely what Ahsoka did, even in her most critical moment. Why don't you get some rest? I'm not tired. You can rest, Master. I'll keep first watch. Well, then, I will accept your kind offer. You can't take responsibility for Ahsoka's decision, Anakin. How would you feel if I turned into a major disappointment? It's not the same. It's precisely the same. 
You took me under your wing and practically raised me. I'm your Padawan, just like Ahsoka was mine. How well would you sleep knowing I failed you? Not very well, I imagine. Luckily, that isn't true. And never will be. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to bring this up, because it's it's huge. You know, like that... that foreshadowing. That little, yes, huge foreshadowing and, and really kind of gets inside the head of Obi-Wan Kenobi, knowing... He, he, he almost refuses to think that that could ever be a possibility, which is later, you know, con contributing to that very tragic um, duel on, on Mustafar. Right. Um, so we get the second last big moment of the Clone Wars where uh, we hit the book Dark Disciple, which adapted eight unproduced Clone Wars episodes, much like the Crystal Crisis of Utapau. And uh, Dark Disciple is all about the relationship between Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress. And um, Obi-Wan has a lot to do with this because he ends up recruiting Ventress, who is at this time now a bounty hunter. And he uh, connects her with Quinlan Voss to... Um, basically, the Jedi Council has decided to send them on a mission to assassinate Dooku, which is a really dark, kind of disturbing moment for the Council to kind of get that far in their... In their what what yeah. they do, right? They're willing to assassinate someone to end the war. Yeah, yeah, which is really uncharacteristic make, like, of them. At that point, are they really any better than the Sith? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, are they? Um, so what's important about this is he actually, he's the one that kind of connects the two together. He's their point man whenever they have information, because they're kind of acting like spies. Uh, whenever they have information, he he's the guy to go to, and he meets them, uh, or Quinlan first and then Ventress later, um, in a, a particular cantina or bar somewhere, and... Um, he slowly kind of witnesses the downfall of Quinlan Voss and Ventress later comes to him about it. And then um, events of the end of the book are, are, you know, quite complicated. But basically Ventress ends up, uh, again, spoilers, uh, Ventress ends up dying in this novel. And uh, that's why we never see her later. And that's why we don't see her in the rest of the Clone Wars show. And um, she ends up... Um, she ends up dying because she sacrifices herself for Quinlan Voss, who ends up turning back to the light side of the force again. And um, Quinlan and Obi-Wan bury her on uh, on uh, on Dathomir. Sorry. And uh, he's one of the two people, just the two of them, uh, have this very kind of subtle, small burial ceremony for her. And, and they witness her kind of transcend into into the, the, the magics, you know, the pool of, uh, they put her into the waters of life or something and her, you know, something happens and, and, uh, Obi-Wan has some kind things to say. And it's just, it's just interesting because Obi-Wan adventures have this kind of flirtatious rivalry through like the whole course of the Clone Wars. And, and, um, uh, you know, there's a bit of a mutual respect between them towards the end, especially after she saves Obi-Wan from Maul and, uh, Savage Press and stuff, and uh, yeah, really just paints a lot more of him, you know, when when this moment happens, and you know, he's one of the very two privileged people to actually bury her. Um, it's almost like they were the only friends that she ever had, and uh, it's it's very kind of a touching, uh, you know, emotional part of the book, which is very very and you know very last chapter kind of thing, and um, it's my favorite Star Wars book I think I've ever read was was Dark Disciple, so. Anyone who hasn't read that novel, I, I definitely recommend it. You also get more of the Clone Wars, so, you know, that's great. 
Yeah, I like that novel a lot too. It's still one of my favorites that have come out in the um, canon universe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, we get to the final story arc, which is the pre. It's it's uh, just before the Battle of Mandalore breaks out, and Ahsoka Tano and her Mandalorian allies ar- uh, arrive uh, aboard a Republic cruiser. At this point, Ahsoka has allied herself with Bo-Katan to help her retake her home planet. Anakin and Obi-Wan are on uh, this ship, and uh, Anakin, who's still emotionally shocked to see his former apprentice again, claims um, that uh, it all made sense in an attempt to understand Tano's decision to leave the Jedi Order. Uh, Skywalker told uh, Kenobi that if if Ahsoka had not left the Order, then Maul would have never been located. So Anakin's trying to find reason for... Ahsoka's decision to leave and and Obi-Wan yeah, hears he wants all justification he wants justification exactly and as always Obi-Wan is a bit more reserved about the situation decides to wait and see how many events were to develop remaining cautiously optimistic as to this whole thing and uh, in the events of this last story arc of the Clone Wars which is found in season seven there's an episode called the Phantom Apprentice or Phantom Apprentice uh, in which uh, we kind of have this really cool moment that overlaps with Revenge of the Sith. And I'm going to play that in just a sec. So let's dive into Revenge of the Sith now. Obi-Wan helps Anakin fight Dooku and rescue the Chancellor at the very beginning of the movie. Um, He arranges Anakin to be the poster boy for the whole operation, and Obi-Wan remains silent when Anakin presents Palpatine's request that he act as a representative on the Council and as a Master. Um, He's denied the rank of Master and throws a fit, and Obi-Wan is a bit, you know doesn't say anything. Um, Grievous is located as well, and Obi-Wan is chosen to go and confront Grievous. And while he's on Utabao, he relays information to Ahsoka on Mandalore about Anakin's new mission and shares knowledge with her about the Sith. Um, So let's just play that section here, just so we have some context. There are a small number of firefights still happening in Sector 11. But for the most part, your clones have been as effective as promised. Still, without Maul in custody, this could all fall apart quickly. We must capture him before he escapes. He mentioned a name, Darth Sidious. Who is this Sidious? I do not know much, but I will share with you what the Council suspects. Darth Sidious is the Sith Lord who orchestrated the Clone Wars and played both sides of it from the beginning. I first learned the name from Count Dooku, though any chance of learning more about Sidious from Dooku has been lost. Why? Because Count Dooku is dead. Anakin killed him while rescuing the Chancellor. With Dooku gone, we've lost a vital link to understanding the mystery of Darth Sidious. If you can capture Maul, he may be able to provide the missing pieces to this puzzle. Then send me more men. Unfortunately, I cannot. I'm being sent to hunt down General Grievous on Utapau. What about Anakin? Maybe he can reinforce us. May I speak to Ahsoka alone for a moment? Anakin is on a special assignment by order of the Jedi Council. What kind of assignment? 
He has been instructed to observe the Chancellor and report his findings. Observe? You mean spy? They told him to spy on the Supreme Chancellor? Why? The Senate has allowed the Supreme Chancellor to remain in office long after his term has expired. The Council wants to know what his true intentions are. The Chancellor has been a great friend and mentor to Anakin. I can't imagine he is happy about this. No, he is not. So perhaps it's best that you do speak with him. And what? Defend the Council's actions? I hardly think I'm the best person for that. Ahsoka, the Council isn't always right. That's why I'm asking for your help. Sorry to interrupt, but there's been an attack. You had best go. Tell Anakin. I will. All right, so that's uh, that's a great part of this show uh, because, of course, we do we know that that he doesn't get a chance to tell Anakin uh, before no. before he realizes that Anakin is you know turned to the dark side. So um, Obi Wan finally finishes off General Grievous on Utapau, and Order sixty six occurs. And um, after a uh, rescue by Bail Organa, he and Yoda break into the temple and discover the truth about Order sixty six and Anakin's fate. Um, and uh, he goes to confront Anakin on Mustafar, and of course we witness the end of a brotherhood. And uh, I don't know. I feel like what, what what do you think of that Clone Wars arc? Before we kind of keep going, it makes me wonder how, like, if Anakin was able to approach Obi Wan and confide in him that he thinks that Palpatine is a Sith Lord instead of Mace Windu, if things would have went differently. Mm-hmm. Which again goes to Palpatine's. Actually, no, whose decision was it to send? Because Palpatine wanted, said Anakin should have went to Utapau to kill Grievous, not Obi Wan. And that so, I guess because Anakin, he tries to go, doesn't he? And they decide to send Obi Wan instead. Yeah. So Anakin, Anakin is he, he? He kind of like discloses that the that the Chancellor asks that he leads the campaign. To take right. down Grievous, and then and then the council votes against that and decide to send Obi Wan, who has much more experience. He says they they request the master with much more experience. And to be fair, Obi Wan has confronted Grievous quite a few times. So yeah. you know, in the course of Clone Wars, they do a really good job at making sure that Anakin and Grievous never cross paths because of the the dialogue that they share in Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's interesting to think though, if they had picked someone instead of Obi Wan, how differently everything could have went. Like if same yeah. as Windu win. Totally, totally. Um, and uh, you know it could have changed um, the whole the whole plot to send Anakin as a as a spy against the Chancellor is really what sets him over the edge. And it really it's really kind of that last straw, that last big thing that um, that has Anakin doubt the Council's intentions, right? And as an extension, uh, Obi Wan, because he he's on that council and he's part of the Jedi Order, so uh, there's a, there's a bit of dialogue on the Mustafar battle. I know we've seen Revenge of the Sith hundreds of times, <laughs> some of us at least. But um, you know, let's let's take a quick listen to some of this stuff here.
you, Anakin. I have failed you. I should have known the Jedi were plotting to take over. Anakin, Chancellor Palpatine is evil. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Well, then you are lost. I love that the the battle is so reflective of their opinions in in the, the Mortis trilogy. Yeah, it's true. We're going to see a follow-up to this, of course, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show right around the corner. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! Man, Obi-Wan, you know, he doesn't have the ability to watch him die. He looks at Anakin no. thinking that he's he going to... Away. Yeah, and he walks away and he takes Anakin's lightsaber, of course, knowing that um, knowing that Anakin has uh, a child, you know, an uh, un unborn child in, in Padme, because uh, he discovers this earlier in the film. And um, it, it's just, uh, it's so sad, you know, like just, just to listen to that you know, his, his cries about how they, you know, that he, Anakin was the chosen one. He, cause this is the end of a vow. Like he knows in this moment he failed Qui-Gon. He failed Anakin. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, he takes responsibility for that. And the, and the, um, the weight of that, that worry that he, we just talked about in the crystal crisis of Utapau, you know, that is now come to pass and he has to now bear that on his own shoulders um, but in a, on top of that, more because horrific he didn't way. finish Anakin completely because he couldn't bear to to watch him go go through this. He just leaves mm -hmm. him to, to die. And then as we know, Anakin survives, Darth Vader, Reign mm -hmm. of Terror for the next 20-something years. So that, that's another weight on top of it that he has to bear. Because if he yep. had just taken the time to really mercy kill Anakin, because that's what it would be, he'd be putting him out of his misery with all that pain. But he couldn't even do that. Yeah. 
You know, exactly. And, uh, you know, that really leads us into the story, which we're going to get right around the corner in the form of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, coming on Disney+. Plus. survive leave us alone when the time comes he must be trained like you trained his father you still want kenobi he's gone You've been looking in the wrong places. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him. that so much when she says you can't escape him like you know it's just like it's just it's just like teasing us with that inevitable duel between the two of them and you know i'm slowly getting over the fact that this might kind of uh this might kind of uh, conflict with some some dialogue in a new hope uh, i'm slowly i'm slowly getting over that uh <laughs> well, i'm gonna wait for it to come out and yeah decide. yeah no it's, i think it's gonna be awesome regardless it's gonna be so cool to i see trust feloni i do so yeah. i think I'll probably go the the same journey that you're going through right now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah. I, how's that journey go? It's grief, pleading, <laughs> <laughs> bar, bargaining, uh, yeah, negotiation, and then uh, acceptance. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Whatever the, the list is. Um, I feel like um, I feel like this show is really going to fill in that gap that we that we all you know none of us know a whole lot as to what happened between him uh, in, in between those two films, and uh, it, it's just it's a story that that we all want to see. I mean, like you know, we know that Obi Wan's not just kind of successfully stayed hidden. Uh, it was almost inevitable that that somebody something might might find him, and uh, mm. I think bring- Obi Wan also knew at some point Luke was going to have to leave Tatooine and go yeah. and do something. Yeah, he knew that from the beginning. He did. Yeah, and, and, and- you actually the next thing we'll get into here really reveals that. What's interesting is we'll find out later when he gets to Dagobah. He has to actually convince Yoda to train Luke. Yeah, like Yoda wasn't necessarily on board. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Yoda's not necessarily um, down for training Luke, and and which is shocking because you know you'd think that that he knows that Luke is his only hope. But um, yeah, you'd think anything would be better than the situation they're in now. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. I think he's searching for his former master, but I've never seen such devotion in a droid before. Uh, he claims to be the property of an Obi Wan Kenobi. Is he a relative of yours? Do you know who he's talking about? Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. I think my uncle knows him. He said he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not yet. We know him. Well, of course I know him. He's me. He's me. <laughs> he's me. <laughs> One of the most quoted lines of Star Wars. So good. It's so good. Um, I love how, like, taken aback, Alec Guinness plays it, too. Yeah. Obi-Wan. Obi yeah, he does such a good job. name. <laughs> you know, it makes me wonder just how much George told him about Obi-Wan before they started filming. I mean, you know, this is a character that goes back, uh, which I guess, you know, George built the prequel trilogy with intentions of him being one of the main characters. So it's oh, yeah. fascinating to, to, to know, you know, maybe... Uh, if he told him anything at all before starting the the role, aside from just giving him the script and directing him in that moment to say, oh, just look a little, you know, uh, taking it back. <laughs> oh, that's her secret identity. You figured it out. Yeah. Um, uh, Alec, there's, there's like 50 years of events that happened before. So just, you know, look like you, you know some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of things I haven't written down yet, but there's a whole, there's three more, three movies, three movies before this, so just pretend something happened. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, we've got, uh, let's see, we, we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi right around the corner, and, uh, you know, it's our, um, it's our first time seeing, uh, it's our first time seeing Obi-Wan speculate with uh, the uh, Inquisitors, and, you know, we, we've seen the Inqu the Inquisitors before in Star Wars Rebels. We've seen them in the Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader comic books. Uh, we've seen them in Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. Um, we've never really seen them in a live action version before until now. And you and I did a What Happened episode catching people up on the Inquisitors not too long ago. I think if, if our listeners were to go back about two episodes in the podcast stream, you'd be able to find the episode. It was really good. We, you know, we nailed out a really good uh, uh, recap as to who they are and what they do. Um, but yeah, uh, here they the, are. The 13 of them, two of them, maybe three were like practically a mystery. Yeah, yeah, there was a few of them that, that we didn't even know their names. Uh, so, yeah, you know, on average, though, there's supposed to be, at least from what we know uh, over the last X amount of years uh, with Star Wars canon stuff coming out, we know that there's close to about 14 or 13 of them. So, yeah. you know, something around there. Um, a good solid 12 confirmed, but maybe more. So, you know. We're, yeah, they've never officially said there's only this many. Right. Yeah, they, they've never really kind of closed off just how uh, many or how little there are. And I think that's kind of a good thing because it leaves room for storytelling and it leaves room for uh, speculation and, and uh, uh, you know, just, just those those times in which you get a new book coming out and boom, now there's a an Inquisitor that we never knew about yeah. before. and. Uh, that's it's what the made, 76th sister. Yeah. Well, that's what made Jedi Fallen Order so cool because, you know, we, we played that game and it's like, oh, wow, this is one of the Inquisitors that we just never was never mentioned before. And and uh, she didn't show up in the Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith comic books just yet. But the number was never taken. It's like, oh, who's the uh, who's the uh, second sister or the second brother or whatever they go by? And mm -hmm. uh, then we got the game and boom, there it was. And it's like, okay, I don't know if they pre-planned that or not, but it was nice that they left room for the addition of new villains, right? And and these villains are 
kind of supposed to be throwaway villains. Like they're spo- they're not they're not intentionally yeah. they're not supposed to be Sith, right? Like they're supposed to be the the freak of the week, the villain of the month kind of thing. It's like okay, once they're yeah, done, they're it, done. I, I think it was they were created as Filoni's middlemen, so they hopefully wouldn't have the general grievous effect, as we brought up a few times over yeah. this podcast. Yeah, 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 uh, exactly. Where. Grievous, just because he's he's foiled every week by the Jedi, so he becomes this really incompetent villain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone who watched the Clone Wars will will know exactly what we're talking about. Um, so this this shows kind of it's an interesting chapter in this in this Kenobi kind of what happened because um, not that we don't want to spend too much time dwelling on what's around the corner. Uh, I know uh, we're probably going to do do a dedicated episode for that as well as uh, some some after shows uh when when the show comes out but uh one thing i do want to bring up other than the inquisitors is the relationship between obi-wan and uh owen lars which is probably a a really main thing to mention while we're talking about obi-wan kenobi because in the trailer we do get a lot we do get owen lars you know played by the same actor he was in the prequels and all that um and uh there's something interesting that he says in the trailer about uh, about Luke and when Obi-Wan says, you know, when the time comes, he must be trained. And then, and then, oh, and he just says like, you trained his father and it's oh, like, man. Oh snap. But you know, realistically it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm curious because like at this point in time, does Obi-Wan even know that there's a Darth Vader out there and, and he's been on the desert where media might not be, I mean, he's hiding out in a cave, right? Like, I mean, I don't right. think he's, he's oh, quite yeah. informed on what's going on out there. And that's a good point. Cause I just was always under the assumption that he was aware of Darth Vader just because of the lines. We get a new hope where Obi-Wan actually ex- like explains things to Luke. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so at some point in this show, I think we're going to get that realization moment where Obi-Wan fully realizes kind of the, the true outcome of his sins for not finishing Anakin off when he could. That'll that'll be an interesting scene, because yeah. then if he thinks that Anakin is dead, even then he might hear of Darth Vader and not know that it's Anakin. Well, he he knows that Darth Vader is Anakin because of the hologram in the Jedi Temple. Right. But yeah, because he's called that. Okay. Yeah. Good point. But I mean, he might not know that he's alive at all, right? So, so it's not until these Inquisitors show up that he might, um, because Anakin knows he's alive, right? Anakin knows Obi Wan's alive, but but Obi Wan doesn't necessarily know that Darth Vader, Anakin, is alive. So mm-hmm. it might be that Darth Vader sends out the Inquisitors to hunt him down and Obi-Wan might suspect them to be a new Sith apprentice or he, he might not even know what's going on. He might be like, what the heck is what the heck is this? Like all these all these red lightsaber goons are showing up out of the blue and uh, they're hunting down uh, they're hunting down Jedi. Right. And, and, and maybe and also if I'm not mistaken, maybe this has changed, but I think in the Tarkin novel, they they reveal that. Vader's he's kept pretty secret to most of the empire. Like he's not a well-known person and because he, he kind of works outside the ranks. Mm-hmm. So he's not technically an official member of the Imperial army or whatever. So most people yeah. have never heard of him until he just shows up and he has the credentials. Yeah. It was a bit ambiguous as to what that was getting at for sure. I know what I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what you brought up there because it does sound familiar. Uh, but it's true it's because he doesn't Tarkin have a military on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. It's when Tarkin and Vader are on the bridge. Maybe it's one of the Vader novels. I don't quite remember. And Tarkin 
at first he's very off put by Vader. He's like, who is this person? Why are they why are they there? And then over the novel, he like slowly figures out that it's Anakin because he's worked with Anakin before. He's one of the few people that figures that out. Right, yeah. And by the way, so that Tarkin novel was fantastic. You know, James Lucino, mm-hmm. great oh, writer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, they they've alluded to that for sure. And and it's because Darth Vader doesn't necessarily have um a military title to him at all. He's he's the apprentice of a Sith Lord. And to the rest of the galaxy, the Sith are just these if people know about them it's like it's like a myth right yeah yeah like a lot of people in the clone wars when they saw darth maul and his brother running around they were like well these two jedi with red red lightsabers show up and you know that's how they talk about them Mm -hmm. and so uh, and duke always gets a little offended at it as well when people mistake (laughs) him for a jedi he's like i am no jedi (laughs) you know (laughs) he's like it gives them such easy plausible deniability though yeah it does yeah and 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 it makes the jedi look bad quite frankly because they're running around causing all this trouble uh but i remember hondo when he when he pulls out dooku's red lightsaber you know i think he calls it a a jedi's weapon or something like that Um, right oh that's when dooku is captured yeah yeah he's referred to as a jedi in that arc i think that's right and then obi-wan is captured as well yeah 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 because because dooku has a line where he says know that you are not dealing with any ordinary jedi you are dealing with a sith lord (laughs) (laughs) and then and then hondo says something about making money (laughs) yeah classic hondo yeah i want to see hondo in live action i think that'd be a lot of fun oh man that'd be awesome yeah um Sorry, we, we kind of strayed off there for a second. Um, I'm trying to think. where we. Oh, yeah, the Owen Lars thing. So Obi-Wan doesn't know. Uh, uh, um, well, the, you know, Darth Vader um, has sent out these guys and, and Obi-Wan doesn't know uh, exactly what's going on, or at least that's my speculation as to what's going on. Yeah. So when Owen says, uh, when he approaches Owen and says that the boy must be trained, I have a feeling like this is maybe before the Inquisitors show up and it might be, or maybe it's after, maybe Obi-Wan realizes, Hey, there's a threat out there and it's looking for force sensitive children or it's looking for, uh, maybe, maybe they're sent there on a recruitment mission, right? Like we don't know. And, um, and Obi-Wan realizes uh, Luke, I mean, he always knew that Luke should be trained, but maybe he's further pushed into that state of mind where he knows that this boy must be trained. And, and Owen, all he knows is that Anakin is dead, right? And Anakin is his, um, his uh well he's kind of like his uh brother brother-in-law brother 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 through yeah he's he's like step step brother yeah yeah Yeah. um so so like that's all he knows right is that anakin was obi-wan's apprentice and that um you know at some point he might have he maybe died right and i don't know if obi-wan would have ever told him the truth and especially if obi-wan doesn't know that anakin is survived owen wouldn't know this at the time of telling him right hmm. so well that being said i think it's in the comic the comic that has this almost exact conversation which i, I think they must have pulled from so i don't know if it's supposed to be a recanonization of it or mm. if they just have obi-wan and owen have the stay away from luke conversation more than once right but i believe owens specifically says that luke has too much of his father in him already which means then he would be some level aware of Anakin. I would think well, like the we, bad side of Anakin. We know that Owen and Anakin have met before, and we know that Owen was aware that Anakin went off to save his mother and slaughtered a bunch of Tusken Raiders. So, so like we know that he knows that about him. 
but I don't know what further he knows about him other than what would he be Shmi. opposed to that though? I think I think the idea of protecting this boy as his own and treating him like his own son kind of thing in a way, um, it kind of scares him to know that that the fate of what happened to the Jedi because I'm sure maybe Obi-Wan has informed him about something as to the weirdness of him now hiding in the desert. So um, my theory is that Owen does have his worries about Luke following in the footsteps of Anakin Skywalker being a Jedi, right? And that's probably what he's getting at when it comes down to... Right, um, or is like seeking adventure sort of mentality. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So so th- this whole fascination with, with Owen and, and Obi-Wan and the relationship between them in this show is going to be very interesting to see unfold, especially if it involves the truth about, about Obi-Wan realizing who Darth Vader is. Um, well, not that he wouldn't know that, but realizing that he's alive is what I meant. So mm, for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, is there anything else you want to bring up before we move on to the next thing? I always think it's worth mentioning now that we know that it looks, there's a planet that looks exactly like Coruscant. That's not Coruscant. So it's always good to. Oh yeah. On, in the, the Obi-Wan show. <laughs> yeah. So there's a show, there's, there's a planet that shows up in, in, in the Obi-Wan trailer, which, uh, it, it, it is not Coruscant. It's, um, it's a different planet. And I, I vaguely remember, uh, the name of this planet being released on online, uh, somewhere. And, uh, I just can't remember it off the top of my head, but it is supposed to be somewhere else, which is, uh, yeah. it's also, I don't know if it's actually him or not, but I noticed that there was, there was a moment where Reva, the, the inquisitor Reva says something about, uh, making, you know, squeezing Obi-Wan, you know, to, uh, um, to the galaxy, you know, un- unleashing the the underworld of of uh, Star Wars, you know, their galaxy upon him, kind of thing, make him suffer. And um, there was a little shot of a bounty hunter shooting at Obi Wan, or what looked like a bounty hunter. And my suspicion is that it was Forloom, but I wasn't entirely sure. Um, but it would be pretty sick if it was, because as we know, Forloom is one of the bounty hunters on the uh, the board on board the Executor uh, in mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back when when they're and, looking for the Falcon. Yeah, so. and he hasn't really been used much in the new canon, other than one comic. Yeah, I mean, we we saw him in the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover last year, and uh, mm-hmm. a few other kind of itty bitty pieces here and there, but but never anything substantial. So it, it would be cool to see uh, you know him in action because um, before his partnership with with um, uh, Zuckus, you know, uh, I feel like it would be a nice, a nice, uh, little, little cameo bounty hunter appearance for, for some guy, someone who doesn't get a whole lot of love. So, uh, yeah, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's kick things off with the next thing in his story arc here, which is in fact, Star Wars Rebels. Now, now this technically jumps forward quite a while because the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, as we know, takes place 10 years between, um, between uh, A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith. So um, it's smack dab in the middle. And and Star Wars Rebels, his appearance in that show, takes place maybe three years or so before um, A New Hope. So, uh, which is quite a ways kind of down the road, right? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what goes on here if you want to talk about that. So in Rebels, uh, this is pretty late in the series as well. It's getting close to the end, uh, and I actually blanked on the name of that main kid. Ezra. <laughs> Ezra, thank you. Ezra, at this point, has more or less become a Jedi Knight. And he is actually has gone off and has been introduced to Darth Maul 
in the kind of like the under layers of uh what was it it's it was like uh, the under the uh Marver- malachor um, malachor thank you yeah the planet where they have the like the force bomb yeah malachor four so, or seven or whatever yes and so it, throughout that arc maul and ezra start to develop a relationship a master apprentice relationship and maul starts actually referring to ezra as his apprentice yeah which is kind of fun uh and so through that relationship um they they find they find the sith holocron on malachor and later maul shows a little, a little farther down the series shows up and because he's aware of the the Jedi holocron that that uh, Kanan Jarrus has been hiding on the ghost, and what what they do is Maul he knows that you, you can combine the two the Sith and the Jedi holocron, and it'll actually give you a vision, which is something that I believe was new to Kanan. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, but it has to, the Sith holocron has to be opened by a dark side user, and the Jedi holocron has to be opened by a a, a light side user. So Maul manipulates Ezra or could like convinces him through that he he needs to know this information right because it's it's Ezra wants information to help the rebellion but Maul wants he wants a purpose because he's lost all purpose at this point in his storyline mm-hmm. and they're both given a vision and they see bits and pieces of the same thing and one of the things they see is a planet with two suns and then Maul goes off on this crazy rant about he's alive yeah he that's right yeah, and, and we, we don't see him for a while. It's, it's very then, you very quickly realize that Maul, even at this point, years later after the Clone Wars and the Jedi Purge and everything, he realizes that that Obi Wan is still alive. And it turns out, like to us as viewers, it's like, dude, you're still looking for the guy. Like you still yeah. want revenge all these years later. Like he just would not let it go. And and I mean, we I know we did a what happened episode on Darth Maul, so it kind of goes back to mm-hmm. conversations we've had in that one as well, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating eye-opening moment where, uh, you know, the excitement in his eyes to know that he gets to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi is like, <laughs> is that crazy? Like I, I, yeah. I did not see that twist coming at all. Yeah, no, me neither. I was like, I thought, I thought at this point he would have moved past that, but <laughs> I guess yeah, not. Exactly. he's got nothing left. And that's, that's the yeah. best part about that character too, is like, and it's funny too, because Ezra is trying to look for a way to defeat the empire. And he also sees a vision of Tatooine, but it's because of Luke. Because Luke, yeah, is the yeah. future to overthrow the Empire. So there, there's a there's an episode. So it's actually season three, episode twenty, and it's called Twin Sons of Star Wars Rebels. And for anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars Rebels in its entirety, it's worth just watching the one episode. You know, it's worth just. It's kind so of, good. It's so good. And and there's actually a bit of dialogue that I want to play right here. So let's take a listen. You're in the wrong place, Ezra Bridger. Master? Master Kenobi? I am, and when you have your strength, I will help you on your way. On my way? No, I came here to find you. To warn you. About more? Yes. Uh, you know? 
one doesn't survive as long as I have by being foolish or unprepared. Maul is an old adversary, and a persistent one at that. We can fight him together. I had no intention of fighting him, though that seems inevitable now. You don't understand. You're the answer. The Holocrons told me. They said you would be the one to help us destroy the Sith. Hmm. That's the first I've heard of it. The Rebellion needs you. We need you to defeat the Empire. What you need, you already have. Unfortunately, you seem to be letting it all go. But if I had what I needed, why would the Holocrons send me to you? They didn't. Maul did. Maul used your desire to do good to deceive you. And in doing so, he has altered the course of many things. He knows your fears, your heart, and he manipulated the truth, which has led you here, where you should never have been. But the Holocrons, they tell the truth. Do they? The truth is often what we make of it. You heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe. And now the only one who has gained anything from all of this is... Me. go now. I led him to you. Let me make it right. That is not your responsibility. I will mend this old wound. Ride north. That is your way out. Your way home. See you soon, apprentice. <sighs> Look what has become of you. A rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I've come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, the desire to dominate, to possess, but you have nothing. And what do you have? Why come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No. Protecting someone. I love the standoff that they have. It's like oh so God. drawn out and Yeah, it's more done like a old West where you see a lot of Reaction. Yeah. Nobody one changes stances. Yeah. Takes Qui Gon's stance. <laughs> and just like that, Obi Wan cuts him down. One move. One move. You know, and Dave has said that these guys know each other so well that that's how it happens. He's like an old samurai, yeah. right? He's, he just becomes so wise because he's been doing it for so long.
Mm-hmm. Is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. It's a very uh, it's surprisingly touching moment like when Maul dies in, in his arms because these are two guys that have been fighting for years, right? And this is a, years. a man who killed Obi-Wan's master. And Must then, be close to 40 years, maybe, maybe longer. Yeah. It's, no, I think it's 40 because Obi-Wan would have been around 18 to 20 when they first dueled. And now Obi Wan's in his sixties. Yeah, mistaken. yeah, it's, it's a long time, and 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 you know, and and what he says at the very end, knowing that he's about to die, you know, in just like a matter of seconds, uh, he asks Obi Wan, you know, who who it is, right? He, he's he's wondering, like, you know, the, the the person that he's protecting, like, is it the chosen one? Because even Maul yeah. knows about that prophecy. Even Maul knows that there's a prophecy that somebody will come and bring balance to the force right and oh, yeah obi-wan believes that that's that luke is is that 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 person you know because he used to believe anakin was a- until anakin went bad and and then now obviously that's shifted his perspective so he t- he explains to maul that that luke is in fact the chosen one but um it's it's interesting that that maul asks him about that and that he they almost kind of like lays him to rest in his own arms kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was I, quite I bet that Maul is the only person Obi-Wan's ever said that to. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would 20 uh, years in the desert and yes, he tells one person it's his his arch nemesis. Yeah. Yeah, almost like they they greet each other like uh like old friends and it kind of reminds me of that uh, tale of the three brothers from the Deathly Hallows and how the third brother greets death as an old mm. friend, like even though death is, is kind of widely known in, in many respects as a general sense of the enemy, right? Uh, in that short story, he's just come to his time and he greets death as an old friend, right? Even though they're adversaries, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an interesting little piece of how it was written. And, and I always think of that stor- short story when I see this moment in Star Wars Rebels. So, yeah, it's, it's 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 great. You know, it's it's cool to see that kind of symmetry and and uh, um, as as the years have gone by, I've quickly adjusted to. Uh, well, I guess I should just say slowly since that episode came out quite a while ago now. But but at first I was like, "Dang, that's it!" It was like I know super I short. thought Oak One was going to show up and like help the rebellion briefly or something. Yeah, yeah, but even the the lightsaber duel. I mean, it's like it was so short. That too. And, it was like three hits and boom, like he just knew how to best Maul because he's been, he's, he's been fighting him for so long. And, you know, the last time that they fought was on, uh, on Mandalore when mm-hmm. Obi-Wan witnessed Satine's death, pretty much. I think that was the last time that they were in front of each other's, you know, uh, once again, Maul in a vengeful state, uh, causing Obi-Wan some pain and, uh, yeah, just a really great moment there. No, so true. And it's funny how Obi-Wan, he he knows Maul's fighting style so well that he knows he can goad Maul into striking him a specific way by taking a Qui-Gon's stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, because Maul bested Qui-Gon in a specific way 
after you know Qui-Gon takes that stance right I don't know how if that has anything to do with the style of how they're going to fight with their their lightsaber or what but um yeah the, it's interesting to see that that when Maul kind of goes to to kill Obi-Wan he almost tries to just get things over with and start off with the move that he killed Qui-Gon with but mm-hmm. Obi-Wan saw it all happen and he's been dwelling over that for years just as Maul has been dwelling over the fact that I want to kill Obi-Wan because he sliced off my legs. Uh, right. And so, yeah, that's why the whole thing is just, it comes to a close really quickly because they just know each other's fighting style so well. So, um, yeah, really, uh, really, inter- it was such, such cool stuff. Um, and There's so much thought put into that whole scene. It's just so well done because full props to Dave Filoni. Just yeah. nails it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely nails it. Yeah, for There's sure. So, so much depth, so many Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, totally. It's amazing. Um, yeah, so uh, that's um, most of the extent of his appearance in Star Wars Rebels. Um, I don't believe he has too many other moments. It might actually be the only episode he's in, uh, but uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I think that's, that's the only time he ever shows up, just that one time. Right. So that kicks us off into the next thing, which is the Obi-Wan Kenobi comic book series that we have just had one issue of, which uh, there's going to be one that comes out every single month for the next four months. And the five of them will be eventually uh, compiled into a trade paperback. But it's from Marvel Comics, and it's just called Obi-Wan Kenobi. The first issue, uh, from what we know uh, so far, is he sits down to start writing a journal. Uh, which is a journal that he will eventually complete in its entirety and leave for Luke Skywalker. And he starts off with a story from his uh, younglinghood, which is uh, an adventure in his youth. And uh, he tries to aid a friend and the friend's name is Garen Rand. And Garen Rand tries to escape off world. Who's also a Jedi youngling, by the way. Um, he, He tries to escape off world and ditch the order. And, um, that's pretty much the extent of the first issue. So it's a very, very quick paced thing. And I think overall the four or five part miniseries is going to eventually give us a complete picture of, uh, perhaps a greater story and, and kind of a, a moral of the story sort of moment, maybe by the mm-hmm. last issue, um, because obviously these miniseries are very quick, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but you know, it's just a worth, it's worth mentioning that there will be a chapter, um, going forward that takes place in Obi-Wan's youth in the form of this miniseries comic book, which is old Ben reflecting on his childhood before he finishes this journal. So that is something that that is kind of funny is that the friend of Obi-Wan in this comic, she is trying to leave the order to save her father. And Obi-Wan is, this is, seems like it's his best friend and he's willing to go along with her. So it's, I don't think it was ever his intention to leave the order, but if he did succeed in going with her, he would have. So it's funny how this is starting to become a reoccurring theme. Yeah, it is. Three three times where Obi-Wan has almost left the Jedi Order. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's not in the cards for him, I guess. (laughs) Try as he might. How about you kick us off into A New Hope? Because that's the, the next time we see him is. Yeah, I'm sure everyone knows this all too well. So we'll just breeze through it here real quick. So after being approached by R2-D2 and C-3PO to help returning the Death Star plans to the Rebel Alliance, Obi-Wan decides it's time for he and Luke to leave Tatooine at long last, <laughs> 20 years later. 
Obi-Wan tells Luke about his father and how he and his father fought in the Clone Wars. The two make their way to Mos Eisley, where they find passage with a smuggler duo known as Han Solo and Chewbacca aboard the Millennium Falcon. Obi-Wan is finally able to start training Luke when it's cut short upon their capture on the, onto the Death Star. Obi-Wan successfully deactivates the tractor beam, but is confronted with his old apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, now known as Darth Vader, before he could make his escape. The two duel and Obi-Wan commits his physical form to the Force, allowing the rest of the party to escape. Obi-Wan continues to live on in the Force as a Force ghost, helping Luke with uh, training and giving him wisdom such as to trust in the Force when uh, instead of using the target computer to blow up the Death Star. So there, there's Obi-Wan 20 seconds, his plot line from A New Hope. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, while we're on the topic of A New Hope, let's just listen to something real quick. all the dialogue we get from the two of them in uh in episode four which is really not a lot because uh no and we always thought as fans we always thought that um i mean i mean obviously george had a plan george fulfilled his plan all that stuff he's passed the story on to new storytellers um i i always thought that the expectation of those new storytellers with lucasfilm going forward would never ever touch that story right i I don't yeah i I feel like it's one of the linchpins that is the foundation of Star Wars. Yeah, I never thought that it would ever be tampered with in the sense that they start adding meaning to some of the more established things already in in the existing George Lucas movies. Um, one of them being the line in which we all believe to be a reference to episode three. And yeah. it yeah. turns out Specifically, that... Specifically, because you're referring to how Vader says last time... Uh, like uh, I fought you, whatever. I was but the learner. Yeah. Right? Now I am the master, and it's like, yeah. What is what? <laughs> you know, and this is yeah. why I had my concerns about about um, this whole duel between Obi Wan and Vader. I, you know, I had my concerns, and as awesome as it is, and I love the fact that Hayden's back, and you know, there's so many good things to look forward to, and I'm very excited still. But I just, you know, I can't, I can't be excited with all without also feeling a little bit concerned at this point. Yeah, and because you're seeing Obi Wan as the master he's referring to, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm I'm thinking. Because that, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast earlier, and I agree with that. It's one of my bigger concerns. But I was thinking about this, and what if what he actually was referring to? Like from a certain point of view, mm-hmm. what if the master he's referring to is actually Sidious? So last time they dueled, Anakin was a new apprentice of Darth Sidious. So he was but the learner. And now he's learned the ways of the Sith and is the master. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a that's a definitely a possible um, explanation for sure. Um, there's one other clip I want to play here, um, which uh, actually, you know what? Let's skip through uh, to the next um, thing on the list to. Um, you know what? No, actually, I'll play it now and we'll uh, we'll just we'll just keep it in our mind for later when we're talking about Return of the Jedi. All right. OK, uh, one more thing I want to mention from okay. that clip that we sure. just listened to. Sure, sure. One thing that's already changed is that Obi-Wan keeps referring to Darth Vader as Darth. Because yeah. When the script script was written, his name was Darth Vader. Darth was his was his first name. Yeah. And then that since then, it's been changed to a title. Yeah. And so. I believe the the canon part that they've tried to you know wrap it with is Obi Wan is mocking him for mm-hmm. becoming a Sith Lord. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, it's because originally his, it was his name, and you know we do know that it's in, it, it's in character for Obi Wan to be comedic at times for sure. Like you know we've seen him be very uh, dryingly jokeful uh, in, in a lot of moments through through Clone Wars through the movies. Um, you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just become a part of his, uh, uh, demeanor, I guess, uh, when he begins to speak. Um, but, uh, let, let's take a look at this, uh, this other audio clip and I want to hear what you have to say about this as well. This is from return of the Jedi. That surrendered to us. Although he denies it, I believe there may be more of them. And I request permission to conduct a further search of the area. He was armed only with this. Good work, Commander. Leave us. Conduct your search and bring his companions to me. Yes, my lord. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. That was why you couldn't destroy me. That's why you won't bring me to your Emperor now. I see you have constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are complete. Indeed, you are powerful as the Emperor has foreseen. Come with me. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn, and you'll be forced to kill me. If that is your destiny. Suit your feelings, father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me son uh, i think it's really interesting that that when luke kind of confronts him about coming with him uh anakin really kind of has this moment where he says obi-wan once thought as you do 
And right. um, this has been something that has come up recently. I've noticed a lot of people have been talking about that moment. And um, I don't, the thing is, is like uh, some, some online articles I've approached it like a plot hole where I never really saw it that way. Um, some people could try and decipher it as, oh, well, maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi will refer to that moment as giving that reason. Maybe there's a moment where Obi-Wan tries to turn him back to the light side or whatever. Right? Which he did in Revenge of the Sith. And that's my point. Yeah, there was a whole section in Revenge of the Sith before they start fighting where Obi-Wan is pleading with him mm-hmm. that, you know, that he, he, he almost doesn't believe what Anakin has become. Yeah. And it's not until Anakin gives him the ultimatum where Obi-Wan finally says only a Sith deals in absolutes. And then he says, I will do what I must. But but prior to that, he was, he was trying his best to um, negotiate with Anakin and try and talk him down. Come to your senses. (laughs) (laughs) Right. As an attack of the clones. But yeah, I mean like, like (laughs) Obi-Wan has, has a way with words and he always tried to do his best with Anakin. Right. And, and uh, I always thought that the conversation he had prior to their fight was referring to that moment from Return of the Jedi, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see what will unfold. I guess we'll see what, what Obi-Wan Kenobi brings us and, and maybe tries to make itself fit in somewhere. Uh, I'm sure we're all going to love it regardless. That's true. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to j- the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You want to kick us off with that? Sure thing. So this was another comic. It came out. This is an older one, an older comic, because I realized I had read this years ago. So this came out, I think, near the time of Force Awakens. It was a long time ago. Yeah, about 2015, 2016, something around there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was around that area. And so I'm, I believe this is the journal that we actually see him writing in, in the new comics. And it is a, a journal that, that Luke actually finds in his hut and is trying to... Uh, go through and try to figure out and learn as much as he can about the Force, because at this point, Obi-Wan has already uh, committed himself to the Force, is a Force ghost. So Luke finds a, a journal left behind, the recounts of Obi-Wan's adventures in the desert, and, uh, and read by Luke Skywalker. Many surprising details about the not the not-so-hermit Ben Kenobi are revealed. Obi-Wan spent many years staying out of trouble on Tatooine, but during a major drought on Tatooine, Obi-Wan is forced to intervene and save Luke, who tries to stop some thugs, as the thugs are going uh, they, they're going farm after to the, farm. Yeah, they're going after and, the water, and, right? The moisture Yeah, farms? And, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're stealing everyone's water and claiming it as a, a, a tax for Jabba. And it's funny because the, the rumor on Tatooine is that Jabba is stealing all this water so he can take baths all day because it's so hot out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And Obi-Wan points out how he knew that can't be true because he's met Jabba and Jabba's never taken a bath in his life. Yeah, yeah. Again, Obi-Wan making jokes, you know. So cheesy, yeah. Uh, the thugs are, are unable to identify the assailant, so Jabba sets out a, a bounty to find out who it was and bring them to justice. Uh, Luke crashes his skyhopper and Obi-Wan goes against Owen's wishes and finds uh, parts for Luke to repair his ship. Owen confronts uh, confronts Obi-Wan and asks him to not have anything to do with the boy, that he is nothing but trouble and should stay away. So this is something that we were, we brought up earlier, which is really interesting, because it, it seems like it's going to be directly applicable to what happens in the show. Because there's a lot of... It's a very similar conversation that we see Owen Lars having with, with Obi-Wan in the trailer. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, the, the the events that transpire in this journal, you know, they could be uh, they could be bringing those moments to screen somehow prior to uh, what the Inquisitors showing up. Uh, but um, additionally to that, maybe um, maybe maybe it is a recurring thing. Maybe maybe the the debate of <laughs> the, Luke Skywalker's fate is going to uh, you know come up time and time again and just like in the it's comics, possible right? yeah what if we get a uh, an animated series where every week obi-wan has to intervene with something to save luke and then it ends with owen being like you gotta stay away from that boy <laughs> <laughs> like uh yeah like a like a rick and morty kind of thing <laughs> yeah. just every week is just repeating you, itself you hanging out with old ben again like, yeah no. we get to do some fun stuff <laughs> 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 oh my gosh uh so i uh, bounty hunter actually f- figures it out and it, it's none other than black chrysanthemum which is the bounty hunter the wookie bounty hunter with the shoulder pads that we see show up in the boba fett series right so this yeah. is this is originally where that character is from so i always thought that was pretty cool well they they pulled it pulled black chrysanthemum from this comic series and put him in live action so uh, Black Crescenton, the bounty hunter, finds the link to the large family family stead and beats oh, beats up Owen Nabaru. Uh, taking Owen hostage to a cliffside, Obi-Wan appears and reveals himself as the one Jabba wants. The two have a duel, Obi-Wan refusing to use his lightsaber to not give himself away as a Jedi, but after being caught in an electronet, he's forced to use the saber to free himself and save Owen from being pushed off of a cliff. Obi-Wan is able to keep Owen from falling long enough for Luke to save him in a skyhopper and then strikes Black Crescenton with his saber uh, directly in the face. And that's what gives him his iconic scar that we see in Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Sorry, in uh, the Boba Fett series. Yeah, yeah. In Black Crescenton, we uh, we were first um, re- in release order. We were first introduced to him in uh, one of the earliest of the Darth Vader comic book series, I believe. And uh, and then later in the in midway through or whenever this issue of the Star Wars series came out, uh, they decided to use him again and and put him in this flashback uh, scene because these these journals of Obi Wan Kenobi are uh, comic book issues that we see Luke reading through Obi Wan's journal, which is the journal that he's likely writing in the new series, and uh, you know the events kind of go back to uh, moments in his past. Um, one of them being, of course, like this, this moment that you're talking about. And so it's cool to see like backstory of all these characters show up in, in the journals of Obi-Wan and Black Crescenton is one of those characters they deepen the lore about. And it's so great to see that scar, you know, the creation of that <laughs> thing that, that we, we, we all know Crescenton to have this scar on his face. So it's cool to see Obi-Wan yeah. is the one who gave it to him. Yeah. And a little side tidbit here for Black Crescenton, even though this is an Obi-Wan series. Uh, I believe, this is my personal opinion, that Black Crescenton is actually based on the Wookiee Hanhar from uh, Star Wars Knights Old Republic 2. Because Hanhar was a evil Wookiee bounty hunter. So oh, there's a quick description. Uh, huh. Hanhar was a male Wookiee who worked as a bounty hunter, operating primarily out of Nar Shadda during and in the years of the Jedi Civil War. A ruthless hunter and a brutal sociopath who was rumored to have murdered his own tribe in cold blood. He was regarded as one of the most deadly in his profession. Well, that and sounds me, almost exactly like Chrysanthemum's story. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think they might have pulled from this when they were creating that character. Totally. It sounds like it. 
so the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi is really this interesting chapter because, because uh, we know that all of these things happened between episode three and four, uh, the events in the journal. Um, and we know that this is a journal Luke finds after the events of episode four, but before the events of episode five. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of, right. that's kind of why we're slotting it here in, in particular, cause it's kind of, um, in the context of the story, it, it's in, in, in reference to Luke reading the journal. So, um, that kicks us off into, uh, his appearance in episode five. If you want to give us the lowdown. So, at this point, Sorrel Guinness was very upset because his role had been so drastically reduced. <laughs> so in Empire Strikes Back, uh, Obi-Wan appears to Luke as a force, or sorry, yeah, as a force ghost after his fight with the Wampa and gives him direction to the Dagobah system, telling him that there he will find the Jedi Master Yoda, the Jedi that trained him. After Luke gets to Dagobah and finds Yoda, Yoda decides not to train him, thinking that he is too old and too impatient to be trained as a Jedi, but it, but Obi-Wan intervenes and, and they convince Yoda to train him, reminding Yoda that he himself was no different at, at his age and Luke admitting that, that he's already learned so much. Uh, so then later on, mid-training, Luke leaves to save his friends and Yoda and Obi-Wan exchange a brief conversation hinting that there's another Skywalker that can defeat the Empire. Yeah, so um, it's interesting that uh, there's, there, there's two things Actually, you know, there's, there's just one thing I want to mention there. Um, so what do you think of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Yoda? Because because in the original trilogy, when Obi-Wan says that Yoda was the Jedi Master who instructed him, uh, yeah. you know, we, we talk so much about Qui-Gon and his apprenticeship to Qui-Gon. Um, but really, I mean, Yoda is kind of like the, the Jedi Master who instructs almost every Jedi when they're at the youngling yeah. stage. I, I feel like that was... T- specifically put in there to try to get around and not make only one a liar it's funny we should probably play it i think it's i think it's a video but it points out all the times that obi-wan has said something and then canon has changed to make him a liar yeah 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 exactly (laughs) that's why he says from a certain point of view yeah it's quite funny there's like a montage of all that stuff i think the video is just called obi-wan's a liar (laughs) (laughs) if you want if anyone listening wants to check it out it's pretty funny yeah it's quite good i think for the most part that wasn't intentional it's just that stuff has changed over time as more stuff has been added yeah well george's story expanded right so yeah once he fleshed out there's a central character that like bridges all the stories so a lot of stuff that he says is i guess on the cutting room floor yeah from a certain point of view that's Um, right but yeah i mean like so later in the prequels i guess it was kind of cool that george made made it established that yoda did in fact have uh, some initial training with all the younglings, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah. you know, really that phase of being a Jedi builds the foundation to being a Jedi. So, um, realistically, I mean, when Obi-Wan says he's the Jedi master that instructed me, it kind of makes sense because Luke is really just kind of, Beginning. you know, he's not a Jedi yet. He doesn't even know how to lift a rock, right? Like, like you're not a Jedi yet. Yeah. Like in the new hope, there is no, like aside from Obi-Wan, there is no Jedi in a new hope. Like that's the only Jedi in that movie. And it's not until return of the Jedi that really establishes Luke as a Jedi. And in empire strikes back the time frame of that movie, we, it's, it's still vague as to how long that movie takes place over, over um, X amount of time. But um, he gets, he, you know, he gets instructed by Yoda to, to learn the basics of the force, 
to do what he has to do to fight Vader later. Uh, of course, he'll, yeah. he's going to lose. But um, but I think when when Obi-Wan does refer to Yoda as the Jedi Master who instructed him, I think he's referring to his younger years as a Jedi youngling. And the reason why I bring that up is because the Obi-Wan Kenobi issue number one comic book, which is the first chapter in his journal, um, at the very end of that, it is Yoda who is the one who's uh, punishing him for nearly running off with his friend. So right. um, that's the only reason why I bring that up, because uh, because it's kind of more rooting the truth in the matter that Yoda still had a very big influence on his life. Yeah, it makes sense, because then... Because if you think as a kid, you're being trained by this specific Jedi, you're going to think to them as your teacher, right? Not mm -hmm. just the teacher who just teaches everybody. So it's very generic. It's going to be, it's going to feel personal still. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like referring back to like a grade seven teacher of yours. He's like, that's the Jedi. That's the teacher that instructed me. But realistically, it's like, how many teachers have you had again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, because I know that was something that was really thrown off when Phantom Menace came out. A lot yeah, we were upset by that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, typical, right? Um, all right, so let's uh, let's kick things off into Return of the Jedi. Go ahead. Yeah. So from there, uh, Obi Wan continues to just have very small appearances and as a Force ghost. So Luke returns to to Dagobah after. The passing of Yoda, Obi-Wan appears and Luke confronts him about his father, Darth Vader. Obi-Wan explains what happened and why he told Luke what he had earlier. Obi-Wan confirms about Luke's twin sister, Leia. Uh, and then we don't see him again until the Force ghosts uh, all appear during the celebration at the very end with the Ewoks. Right. And that's the established moment where young you know, reincarnated force ghost Anakin uh, comes back in the form of Hayden Christensen and, and stands next to uh, force ghost Yoda and uh, old Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it's, I almost feel like it's a bit of a shame. Like this, Obi-Wan has such a very small part in this film. He does. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, it's really a story about the relationship between Luke and Anakin uh, going forward after uh, a new hope. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it, it is, um, it's, it's interesting to see how Obi-Wan's influence, uh, was definitely a big part of, of Luke, Luke's life. And, um, I feel like the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of uh, further root that, um, that lasting relationship that he's had with the boy, you know, going back as far as protecting him ever since he was a child. Right. So, you know, if you look at old Luke Skywalker, and the um, the thing he does when when he uh, thinks he's failed is quite reminiscent of what Obi-Wan has done as well. You know, like right. Luke goes off to an island and retreats from everything and tries to get away from it all and cuts himself off from the force and all that stuff. Very similar to what the Jedi would have done after Order 66, right? True. It's um, also pretty funny because he got that from Obi-Wan and yeah. Obi-Wan picked up all the bad habits of Qui-Gon and gets called out for that as well. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. just a thing. He spends so much time with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. And, uh, you know, Anakin, <laughs> Anakin, uh, when he, when he, uh, um, what does he say to Padme, uh, which we could use at the end of almost every line that Obi-Wan says, uh, Liar! 
Um, all right, let's let's jump forward to the Force Awakens. So um, I put this in here. Um, I believe this is actually from the novelization, but a, a piece of this I made it into the movie. Um, originally, though, this was uh, all going to be in the movie uh, because it was a part of the script, and henceforth was uh, slotted into the the novelization, which has a subtitle to it called uh, the Expanded Edition, which is what Disney's been doing with all their. Star Wars movie novelizations. They've been calling them the expanded editions to help sell the book a little more. Um, Extra details, but that yeah. means it's still canon? I don't really know. Um, I know okay, that cause... the novelizations have always had a huge respect, especially the ones for the prequels, because there's so much stuff packed into those movies. Um, I know that episode three was was very well, um, very well read, you know, by by many people. Uh, and uh, anyone who's yeah. looking at reading a good Star Wars novelization should pick that one up. Because uh, those novels, like outside the sequels, are all written before the Disney acquisition. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're canon. I don't think I, they're, yeah, I don't think they're quite established as the canon either. Um, but yeah. when Disney um, launch, when, when Disney releases a new Star Wars book, uh, in the in the timeline of the uh, order of events at the very beginning in the first couple pages where the pillars of the, the films are, it's just the film listed there. The novelization doesn't, doesn't make it into the timeline at all. So right. the canonicity of the film really outweighs what goes on in the book. Um, but if someone were to read the book, I think it's just a way of saying this is a licensed, verified, expanded adaption of what's going on in this story. And we know that the director of the film has also kind of stamped it as this is good kind of thing. Um, so his original quote to Ray when Ray first is given the um, or picks up the lightsaber uh, that uh, the Skywalker saber, Anakin's lightsaber in, in the chest in Maz Kanata's castle, um, Obi-Wan says, uh, you will be tempted, but you can learn. The force will be with you. The dark side, the Jedi, you will do it alone. Ray, these are your first steps. And we only really got the last section of that, uh, which is Ray, these are your first steps. But the first section of that was also something that Obi-Wan whispers to Ray as uh, she holds the Skywalker saber. So that's his only appearance in episode seven and we know that he also has no appearance in episode eight um it's yoda that shows up and at the very very end of the rise of skywalker when ray confronts palpatine obi-wan has one final force ghost moment and he says these are your final steps ray rise and take them so um it's kind of like beginning a beginning and an end. Yeah, yeah, beginning and the end. Episode seven to episode nine. Uh, you know, both movies directed by JJ. I feel like he, him having consciously made the decision to have Obi Wan in episode seven as a Force Ghost voice. Mm-hmm. He kind of mirrored his words in episode nine uh, to reflect that of what he said earlier. And that makes uh, sense. It makes sense. Yeah, um, but that's all we get from him. And there's really not much else. Uh, we know that he's kind of got much less of a connection with Ray than he does with, of course, Luke and, and, uh, Anakin. So his story really kind of fades out after his job is done. And I think when he completes that job, the one that he set out to do, 
um, when he looks at Luke Skywalker and smiles before he sacrifices himself and at to Vader's blade, you know, really brings us full circle because he set out to do something. And in the moment of deciding on Bail Organa's ship that he was going to protect the boy, you know, he kind of says, I will take the boy and watch over him, you know, referring to Luke in the desert. And what we've also learned going through this is Obi-Wan takes his vows extremely seriously. Yeah, he does. First, yeah. Because there's this vow and the vow to Qui-Gon and mm-hmm. both he chooses over other vows for himself because he's obviously vowed to the Jedi Order, but he's been, he was willing to sacrifice that to keep his vow to Qui-Gon. Yeah. And he looks at Luke as the 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 hope that the galaxy has, because we know from what we just saw in Star Wars Rebels uh, that Obi-Wan perceives Luke as the chosen one. He he thinks that he is the one that is supposed to bring balance to the Force. Now, ultimately, he's not that person exactly, but he is the key to unlocking it, for sure. And so he's he's a, a very important, you know, plays a very important role in in, in the redemption of, of Anakin Skywalker. And... Um, Obi-Wan's only concern is, is this is, this boy has a lot to do with the fate of the galaxy. That's all, that's all he knows. And he knows that for sure. And it's in his bones. Right. And, uh, and so for those 20 years, as he kind of trains, we know that, um, he also goes on his own force, uh, journey, uh, to learn the path to immortality, you know, instructed by Qui-Gon at some point. Um, 17,000 Jedi in Phantom Menace. And three of them get to live on his force ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens in that show. And, you know, to kind of go back to that that moment in New Hope, like when he looks at Luke and smiles, like he's he knows in that moment that his journey is done. And like he he does what he does there because he's content and he's happy. And, you know, he's finally realized this is what I was supposed to do like the entire time. Mm-hmm. This is what it's been leading up to. And it's okay if I'm not around after this. And I can crazy, I can serve he Luke. Just started training Luke. Yeah, and then he realizes though I can serve the Force and Luke better if if I uh, move on to uh, the next phase of my journey, kind of thing. I think that's what what's what he knows, right? And technically, he robs Vader of his vengeance. Yeah, yeah, he kind of does, doesn't he? <laughs> he, he just evaporates out so that Vader doesn't get the, uh, the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in a nutshell. I mean, what happened with Obi-Wan Kenobi that, that covers the main chapters. Um, I'm also going to short story of a couple shows up just a couple of times, just a quick, quick episode here. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, um, that we do have, uh, I know we mentioned the, the brotherhood book earlier, which is the, the beginning of the Clone Wars one. But there's one that I didn't mention, which uh, it's not even uh, it's not out yet. Uh, but uh, there's a book that will come out soon. It's called Padawan, and it's written by Kirsten White, and it will release on July 26th, 2022. And uh, it's an upcoming young adult novel and uh, will be published by Disney Lucasfilm Press. It'll focus on young Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi and his master Qui-Gon Jinn. So I don't know if this takes place before or after the Master and Apprentice novel, which is the, yeah, the just thinking that. item that we started off on the list here. Yeah, um, but it does roughly place it in a timeline of 42 BBY. 
So that's 42 years before Battle of Yavin. And uh, Master and Apprentice, um, I think, uh, was... Let me just double check. That's 32 BBY. So maybe this one is... Um, well, 40 to 32 BBY, technically. So it's kind of like neck and neck with when that novel rubs up against the other kind of thing. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so anyone looking into uh, the youth uh, of Obi-Wan uh, can uh, can look for that book dropping in July. Um, and that's Obi-Wan, everybody. That's Obi-Wan. So uh, looking forward to the show, which is right around the corner. Uh, I know we're going to be uh, releasing um, as m- many... Um, after shows and reviews as possible um, and with celebration around the corner as well we got a lot to look forward to as well as uh, some announcements coming out um, busy month busy, 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 mo- busy month very busy month uh, Vanity Fair just did a coverage on Obi-Wan Kenobi and the other live action shows and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I've got some stuff planned where we'll, we'll do a dedicated podcast release for uh, reviewing that material as well so cool any last minute things you want to bring up before we uh, kick it off I guess, well, we went through the whole story, and now we know Obi-Wan is through and through. Liar! (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, we'll catch you in the next one. Sounds good. Keep flying. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show, and, uh, you know, we always love to uh, see those reviews come in, dropping those five stars. Yeah, it helps us out a lot if you can share this show with a friend. Tell them Star Wars Escape Pod is their Star Wars podcast of the week. And feel free to send in a voicemail, email at uh, swscapepodcast at gmail.com. I know we got a link down in the description of every episode linking you to our voicemail URL. You can drop a voice recording there. Our Twitter and Instagram are at SWScapePodcast, and you can get daily Star Wars updates on Star Wars news and various other things through those, as well as notifications for new podcast episode releases. It's been a crazy time. It's been a busy month. Like I said before, lots to look forward to. So make sure you look for that Vanity Fair coverage, which will have a dedicated podcast episode four, as well as celebration no before you go which is the next episode we'll have dropping for those of you guys attending celebration this upcoming week as well as some news on how you can enjoy celebration from home we're going to be doing after celebration reviews and chats some sit downs with the crew of the escape pod and talking about all the new star wars news that's about to come out and of course Look for those Obi-Wan Kenobi after shows right around the corner. May the force be with you guys, and we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod.